If you had to eat one culture of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Burritos. <laughs> Japanese. Mexican. Yo, I love the burrito knees people. <laughs> she said one cultural food, so I was like, all right, a burrito. Culture of food. Oh, I thought you said cultural food. No, no, burrito culture is, you know, pristine. It's let's it's go. The they have sushi cultures. burritos. They have Mexican mm. burritos. Let's yeah, go. Do you, do you remember Baja Fresh? Yeah. Did that exist for you guys? Baja Fresh was the best burrito spot. Like, so, well, I'm just speaking on an American so level, but it, it was is, so. F- it's not the what? best, but it's the most unique. For me, it was really fresh, really like they had all these, yeah, like lobster, shrimp, burrito, and it was like so fresh. And they had like all the toppings and stuff you put as much as you Is want. Is it like so it wasn't Subway? Like ch- ch- but like no. burrito? Because you know, at like Chipotle and stuff, you gotta like tell them. Yeah. And then you, they're like, ah, oh, it's not They have their own mixtures like, that are like, they really have their good. own. And it was like a whole oh. table that they had of. It yeah, was really I know they cool. had like a bunch of sauces and everything. I used to actually, uh, when I was working, there was a Baja Fresh near near us and all my coworkers are like why do you love baja fresh like i would always go to baja fresh because it was one so close and two just so good and everyone was like yo why do you like baja fresh it sucks but i was like no, they're close. wrong there was one close to my house and they closed it down and then i, had to <laughs> I don't even it. like i have a faint memory of it but i don't even really it's know not that, that popular so mm. yeah i don't know why not so mexican is that what we like both of you guys would choose mexican food for the rest of your life burrito knees I think, uh, <laughs> I think, ye, well, I just said it, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> this is one of those, this is one of those answers that, like, I'm not proud of. Because, uh-huh. I mean, Mexican I'll go with, but, you know, I, I have to choose Pakistani, like, oh. or just South Asian or something like that. I do eat that basically every day, and I'm yeah. fine with it. And if I had to eat it every day, I'd be okay with it. Frost, can I call you out? Because you don't eat South Asian food every day. Your mom makes <laughs> bomb every country. Your mom, yeah, she, uh, mind you, cultural. Frost's mom is an, is an amazing cook. But also, she makes literally a new country every day. Like, there but, is no but consistency. It's like, but it has this like, elements. elements of this. That's but why it's, it's good. But fried chicken is not this. And also, also, you guys, she makes it when you guys come. That might be because true. Um, she wants to like you know try new things and like make it f- make dishes that are like for everyone but otherwise I'm eating like roti and stuff basically because mm. um, I swear every time we go we're like entering a new it's like a field trip around the world going to Frost House I'm like oh we have lasagna today oh okay we have what today <laughs> well oh. anybody that anybody if you if you have you know what, no matter what the culture if somebody is passionate about cooking you're gonna yeah. get great dishes regardless and it, mm-hmm. it'll have a, t- a touch of their style you know you go to True. a Jamaican person's house and they might be making you better Indian food than, uh, you know, an, another Indian person might because they mm. just, you know, have a sense of how foods uh, taste together and, and putting and, and using their knowledge of it, you know, yeah. in the best way. All right, sure. so you said Japanese. I said Japanese because you really can't go wrong. Like you have Amber, you know there's more to Japanese food than sushi, right? I'm totally aware, and I'll get to that because you're gonna listen, get tired of sushi one day. Listen, sushi is okay, like cool sushi, like no big deal. But they have such a variety of seafood, and on top of that, they have ramen, and Ramen's not only good. just ramen, not just noodles. They have all the noodles. They have like 15 different types of noodles in ramen. They have lo mein. They have uh, chicken teriyaki. They have like so much. 
I hope I don't know Japanese if that's uh, Japanese. Well, Sharku, she said Sharku two Japan. things and was like, they have so. <laughs> yeah, like okay, sushi. You have ramen. You have like we, literally. We got it. We got it. Sh- like any type of shrimp, spicy, sweet, mixed. Uh, Amber, soy you can get that at PF Chang's. Like. <laughs> okay, but that's what I'm saying is if I had to choose a culture food. Okay, obviously desi, like you're taking the easy way out. Like, I'll, obviously we could survive off desi for the rest True. of our lives, but I would like to choose Japanese as a quick runner-up because they also have a lot of flavor in their. They foods. do have a lot of variety. Well, I would like to wish you luck. Thank you very much, <laughs> and I wish. And you And I would also like to wish you luck because I don't know how you are with handling. You know, like our our uh, stomachs are sometimes used to handling a certain type of food. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so My food. I- to answer your question, <laughs> yeah. my my stomach is adjusted to burritos. It okay. handles the burritos really well. So you so. can eat a burrito every day for the rest of your life. I would love that. Oh That'd my be gosh, like amazing! I'm getting tired of tortillas. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, guys, thank you for tuning into an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm for us. My name is Amber. And this is brought to you by Olive Theory. This is the strangest and greatest podcast in the game. Fact. 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 Confirmed. Not fiction. Not fiction. If you'd like to email us awesome questions, dating advice, or anything else in between, you, or send us music, strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. Sounds like Shamir's actually on the hunt for something because he doesn't usually mention that, so please do send I like advice. that. I like that add-in. Because when we had We're it, so it qualified. So do you like We're getting so dating advice or you like getting... I like hearing the stories. Oh. And, and then giving... Because let's be honest, we give like terrible advice, but... <laughs> it's fun but it's, giving it's it fun. though. It's fun giving it. So let us I know. Send us your I know, craziest I know, dating story ever. I know as we'll, much as we'll Amber knows about Japanese food when it comes to the <laughs> dating advice. <laughs> That's hilarious. If you enjoy this podcast, you can tell your friends that you can listen to it everywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. Subscribe, like, and share everywhere. Tell everywhere. your friends. Tell your cousins. Tell your fathers. Tell your sisters. Specifically tell your, your cousin. Tell your cousin I said what's up. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also watch her beautiful faces on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Right. You can comment there. You can subscribe. Mm-hmm. No filter, no makeup, sis. Let's go. And then we, you can. We never also, do that. We never okay. Do well, that. I was talking about me. <laughs> and then you can <laughs> no, um, like, follow you us. You can follow us on all social media, at Strange Flavors. So let's Please go. Do also on TikTok can, now. Also on TikTok. Ooh. Let's go. And if you'd like to support this podcast, like Strange Flavors Town, you can. There is a link down below and be part of Strange Flavors Town like Bobber's Bagels and Cassie's Cupcakes. Wow, I would like to give a special shout out to Cassie uh, because she actually recommended today's guest. So super today's excited. Ah, so thank shout you out, so much, Cassie. Shout out Cassie's Cupcakes. Cassie's Cupcakes. And then if you guys didn't know, we have this awesome YouTube channel that goes by the name of Ronald Ponal. We have mm. awesome things like a Discord where you can chat mm. and actually suggest topics and intro questions in the Discord of this podcast directly on there. Wow. So, we love our community. Thank you for being so engaged and helping us, you know, come up with dope ideas that you want to see. Yes. And then we also have an amazing Patreon where you can get exclusive content and even a video chat once a month with us. Patreon.com slash Ronopono. And if you'd like to also support and get amazing merch of Ronopono, Ronopono.com. Yes, That's sir. so exclusive. Thank you for all of that. Guys, today we're not even going to hit any topics because today's guest kept us so entertained and excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wish this podcast could have gone even longer, but um, I think uh, with what we were working with, you'll be really excited um, to, to hear what we have. So The Stranger Today has traveled to every country in the world. Didn't leave one out. 
He is one of the youngest people to ever do so, and of course, we are picking his brain about all the logistics, the finances, and cultural dealings that come with achieving this type of ambition. We also talk about love in foreign lands, advantages and disadvantages that come with your identity, his journey through different religions, and a whole lot more. I know you all will enjoy and benefit from this conversation as much as we did. Please welcome our stranger, Sal Lavallo. I think my cat's about to knock down the Christmas tree. (laughs) Get it together, cat. What's the cat's name? Lala. It means to sleep Swahili and she's not What a fun name. That is such a fun name. It is. The other one is Beba, which means to be held in Swahili. Lala and Bebo. Lala and Beba. That's so cute. See, now those are cat names. Right? (laughs) Right. Will you come here, Shami? No. Oh. Shamir has a like a very desi cat name. It's cat. In mm. Urdu. Yeah, but like that's what that's what desi people do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so tell us where you are right now. I am at home in Abu Dhabi in the UAE. And uh, it is my, the, it's the beginning of my weekend. So this is how I've chosen to spend my equivalent of my Friday night. Right uh, here on Strange Flavors. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we're so humbled. And we're super excited to have you. Like, we were just talking about this before you came on. It was just like, um, this, I think, you know, your perspective on so many things is uh, so nice to like be able to see you on YouTube and Instagram and then have you here to basically, it feels like, we're watching one of your videos because that's how your videos feel. Mm-hmm. I know. I love it. I feel like it's, uh, you know, you said at the beginning that it's uh, the name is like strange flavors because it's strangers, but I'm like, we're already friends. We've been talking for, <laughs> for 10 minutes. So, you know, we're. <laughs> the viewers don't know that. <laughs> we did not have a conversation before this podcast. Well, you're perfect for it though, because you meet, you know, quote unquote strangers all the time. And basically that, that is kind of like the, the whole thing with our uh, podcast is that, you know, we're all strangers until we're not. And yeah. sometimes your neighbors are strangers to you. Like, yeah. and you don't even know who you're living next to. You don't know anything about their lives, but you know, the more you kind of uh, converse and, and get to know each other, like the more commonalities you find and the more you learn. So it's nice. And that was like, that's one of the biggest lessons I had from like the, you know, like visiting every uh, country was about, how everybody is 90% similar to you, you know, like, and the differences are what's cool about it. Mm. So I, I always say, you know, whenever uh, you, people like in COVID, they're like, Oh, I can't travel. I can't do anything new, but it's like, you don't know everything about yourself. So how can you think that, you know, everything about all of your neighbors, you know, how, like, mm. how can you think that, you know, everything about your town, you know, like uh, if, you know, so we can, you know, there's the Socratic paradox, which is like the wisest man knows that he knows nothing. And I like to say that the the most traveled know that they've been nowhere because mm. like the, the more wow. you, the more you learn about the world, the more you realize it's not a thing that it, it, it's not a, a thing you can learn or know entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just pushes you to think, okay, like, uh, you know, what don't I know about the, my family or the people around me or whatever. And then you all, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good point that, you know, during the 
the COVID year, uh, a lot of people kind of reflected on a lot of things that they've always wanted to do or accomplish. I know, I remember at the beginning, especially like the Home Depot was totally out of materials and packs because people were working on their projects at home and everything. Um, you know, for, for you being a traveler uh, and, and as many places as you get to go, what was this year like for you? Yeah, so I haven't been on a plane in a year, over a year, since December 3rd. Not that I'm counting. Does that make you sad? But, well, you know, what's funny is that I, I because the weather is so great in Abu Dhabi, like, uh, you know, November until like April. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to, for the first time ever, I'm like, because I normally travel at least once a month. And I was like, I'm not going to, to leave for like five months. And I'm just going to get to know Abu Dhabi better and, uh, or see the new things that I've never, you know, I've been here 10 years, but what haven't I gone to? And then I had planned to travel all of March, all of April, uh, and it all got canceled. And so it was this, it, you know, this idea of staying put for four months turned into staying put for 12 months. And so I do really want to, uh, to travel, what's hard is figuring out what's the, where do I want to go first? Because I, um, you know, when you're traveling so much, like it, there's not as much importance or as much weight put on each trip. Uh, but now when it's like more of a luxury to be able to travel, it's more of, okay, well, like what, what exactly do I want to do? Um, also, I don't think I introduce much. Should I introduce myself and say what, like, like about the travel? <laughs> oh, well, we, we do an introduction beforehand. So yeah. Um, ah, okay. Everyone but, knows that, and and uh, yeah. we have like a clickbaity title and all of that. Yeah. So, but I wanted to ask: Are um, I think I read somewhere? Are you one of the youngest people to travel every country? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of. So, the quick answer: Yes, one of the youngest. And then the question of like, what does it mean to visit a country? Um, you know, what is a country? So, there are a few people, like two or three people, that have done it younger but a few of them have counted like the airport or they have counted mm-hmm. borders. So there's um, a little community of you guys that you, yeah, we you know, all each like other basically like know each other, know of each other. We've mostly met or spoken. How many um, people is it about? There's like less than 200 who've done every country, but there's only like, there's less than 10 that have done it in their twenties. And, uh, uh, you know, so we, we're all pretty aware of, of and, and you're one of those 10. Yeah, so there. I think there's two people younger than me, maybe two or wow. three people younger than me. Um, but you know, we. Uh, I, I sometimes will be like, but you didn't actually go, like Ooh. to. <laughs> mm. to like, the shade. Uh, oh snap! Oh snap! <laughs> Does okay, that, well, did did you feel like that personally at some point where you're like, okay, at some like I feel like this is almost like a checklist thing, and like you had to check yourself, or were you like being yeah, able so to I, enjoy each culture culture individually? I was pretty lucky because I did, I never did it really on purpose. So I was actually on a, on a podcast a year before I finished and they, in that podcast, they were, I had hit 150 countries and, um, it was this like a uh, podcast for people who've been to every country or are close to it. And the guy was like, you know, you can be the youngest to do it. And I'm like, no, like I'm going to wait. Like, I don't really care about that. Like I'm going to, you know, I'll do it sometime in my life, but not soon. And then one year later I had finished. And so it was kind of like a, a, a switch around. And so I was mostly doing it. So I was mostly doing it for, uh, for work or to visit friends or, you know, for fun. I wasn't doing it to try and, um, to get to every country until kind of the last year, the last six months. And so there was one trip, um, to central Africa 
where I was hitting, I was doing like eight countries in the trip. And in a lot of these countries, because of the amount of flight, like the, the, you know, few flights and because of the way the infrastructure in the country is set up, you either go for like two weeks or like two days, you know, like you have to uh, kind of like decide. And I did mostly like for only a couple days each. And that felt a little bit like I was, I was checking the box, but at the same time in each country I had a really exciting experience. And I've always said like, if I'm in a place for four days or four months, I'm going to like make the best of each moment. You know, so there's no country that I feel like I had a bad experience in or that I didn't get, um, like enjoy my time in. So there's, um, there's some, the average for me was about a week in each country. Um, there's 15 I've stayed in for two or more months. And I think there's like 10 that I didn't sleep in like places like Liechtenstein and Luxembourg, um, and a couple of random ones. But, um, you know, the, yeah, the average was usually like seven and, um, and I always try to, I always prefer to have a reason to be in a place. You know, like I just think it's more, um, more exciting. Like I love traveling for work and sometimes people say, oh, but all you're doing is like sitting in an office, but you're learning about the culture and the economy in a totally different way than you ever would as a tourist. I also like to, I went to international boarding school that had students from 90 different countries and I've stayed with friends from boarding school in 75 different countries. And that was always really fun. So like, if you ask me like, what did I do in Nicaragua? I was mostly just hanging out at my friend's house. We like watched like Dora the Explorer, but it was like her teaching English rather than teaching Spanish. Oh, that's funny. And it's like, it's such like a silly thing. Like to me, it was like my time was hanging out with my friend and that was what was, you know, important at the time. Yeah. How old were you when you actually accomplished going to every country? I, was, I just turned 27. So it was like a month, a two, yeah, two months after I turned 27. And you're 30 now, right? Yeah, I just turned 30. Feel you like mentioned a, an adult now. <laughs> now you are after hitting thirty. Yeah, <laughs> depends how you define adult, right? But um, you said you said you travel for work sometimes. Are you, what are you currently doing? What have you been doing for work um, to be able to like you know afford doing all of this stuff? Yeah, so I'm currently I work for the the government of Abu Dhabi as a, uh, I'm the head of foreign direct investment at the Abu Dhabi Investment Office, uh, which is a government. That sounds very important. That, Right. <laughs> it's a, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, I'm, I, my favorite country in the world is the UAE. My favorite place is Abu Dhabi. And I've always said that for like, for the decade that I've lived here or, or when I was traveling from here. And I, I would always joke that I, I talk about it so much that they should, it should be my job. And now it is like, I, I, I what I do is I, um, I bring investment into Abu Dhabi and we invest in companies that are coming into Abu Dhabi. I'm on behalf of the government. And so that's really exciting. And um, before that, I so I studied economic development. That's a lot of the reason why I was um, interested in traveling. And I worked as a management consultant, management consultant with McKinsey and Company, um, and uh, as uh, doing like economic development work mostly. And then I worked in um, in uh, in with the former British Prime Minister Tony Blair doing uh, like economic development work. And then uh, and then I joined the government. Cool. When, um, I want to know when was like the first thought, uh, you had to like, you know, start traveling and, and get curious to just start, um, hitting all these different countries. Yeah. So my parents are both immigrants. So my father's from Italy and my mother's from Germany and, but I grew up in the States. And so when I was, you know, kind of maybe like you guys, when we were talking about the idea of home, it was never just, you know, like the house, it was these countries far away. And I also have a lot of family, my Italian family, a lot of them live in Argentina. So 
when people would talk about family and home, it wasn't this like small thing. So it always made the world feel accessible. Um, and then going to international boarding school, having friends from all over the world, again, it just made everything feel accessible. Um, and so I think uh, that's kind of like the first point was that the world always felt like I, I could access it. And the second point was that my parents always loved to take us on road trips around America and they never wanted to go to the same place twice. You know, they were like, let's go see something new. Um, and we would always say, oh, like how many states have we been to? And so I think that got in my head of like counting, you know, like uh, your travels and like- Where, Where'd you grow up in America? I grew up in uh, Indiana and then I went to boarding school in New Mexico and then uni in uh, New York. Was it, were you kind of like, uh, did you separate yourself from- uh, everyone else being, you know, having immigrant parents and then, um, you know, being able to travel and have family in other places? Um, it's c- kind of. I mean, I feel like we were not really. I mean, it, it was I think it's easier being like a white immigrant, obviously, in America because sure. people don't know. Um, but, you know, I do think we were probably one of the only houses where people spoke different languages at home, uh, you know, like with the grandparents and stuff and where um, where when I think of my parents, I always think of them as like Italian and German, but then whenever I've traveled with them abroad, I'm always like, you're so American. You know, like they, they, uh, and I, you know, I think that, and they both came over when they were young as well. So I think we're very, um, you know, adapted to, uh, to like American culture. But, uh, you know, when I decided myself to move abroad and I think I'll probably stay in Abu Dhabi forever, um, you know, I've talked to my grandparents about it. And, uh, you know, the, the idea, like the American dream moving to America and then is like for your kids and for your grandkids. And then, uh, you know, I remember my grandfather being like, you know, you, you know, like I did this for you, <laughs> you know, Come on, and, then like, <laughs> and then I'm like, well, I'm doing this for, you know, I'm doing this for my, uh, my children too. Sure. Are you what? pretty cultural when it comes to your Italian and German side? Yeah. So I, I, uh, so yesterday I was doing a webinar for work. Like I was on a panel and I, uh, it was with the Italian ambassador. And so I spoke Italian at the very beginning and I have a really horrible Italian accent or uh, American accent when I speak Italian, but I was like, Oh, I'll do it. So there's, um, I think what I would say is that the, there's a lot of like aspect, like cultural aspects that we do, like the food, um, like a lot of Italian food. Um, I do feel like Italians that came to America became very like Italian American and that's like a culture in and of itself. Um, and, and since the Germans somewhat similarly have like pretty well adapted, but uh, I do feel comfortable and at home when I'm in, uh, in Italy and Germany as well. Yeah. Why do you want to stay where you are? Like what about it that, is like, if you've seen everything in the world, like what compels you to stay there? Yeah, I think what's exciting about the UAE is like the the trajectory, you know, like it's always getting better. Like I've been here 10 years and the island I'm living on didn't exist when I moved here. The island where my office is didn't exist. Um, you know, the the social scene has completely changed. The, the economy has completely changed. The demographics of the people that are here has completely changed. Like, um, and that's just so exciting. And because I studied economic development and I also studied identity, um, like those are like my two um, parts of my degree it's like the best place to be for economic development. Cause it's one of the most amazing development stories of our time. And then identity wise for stuff like race, gender, sexuality, religion, nationality, all these things are so like relevant here that it, I think it's the best place to learn. I think it has the highest quality of life and it it's the, the place with the best opportunities. And it's, um, 
what I also enjoy about it here is that it's so, um, that's like a shared thing among the, among the populace. Like everybody here is, is like building a better future, whether it's the local population who, you know, a couple generations ago, you know, really had nothing and now, you know, are one of the, the wealthiest places in the world. And then the, the expats like myself, you know, we are getting a new experience that we wouldn't get in our, in our home countries. And then also even like the, the labor force, you know, they are, um, they're having opportunities for the first time in, in their lives to provide for their families and, and making their future better. And so everybody has that kind of optimism. Um, and it's just nice to be in a place where it feels like it's getting better and where everybody feels like their lives are getting better. Whereas when I go back to the States, it's like people are so unhealthy and like we've had quite a year. Yeah. I mean, it's just, <laughs> like, it makes me sad. Like I don't yeah. like, it's, it's not a, yeah. I mean, if and you I could choose a second America. favorite place, like if you couldn't live where you live now, where would you live? So I also have a, like, I keep a home in, uh, in Tanzania. I have a small, a couple small farms there and I love it. It's like a small village and it's like a totally different, uh, like you have like, farms there. Yeah. I have like three and I have some friends who, um, like who manage them and, uh, and I go every year. Usually I haven't been, uh, this year, obviously, but, um, I, it's a totally different vibe. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a village, you know, dirt roads, um, you know, it's, uh, but I love it. It's, it's a totally different kind of like lifestyle, but I really enjoy it there. So what's the reason for having the the farms, like what, yeah. what made you want to have that and how did so you used, get that? Yeah. I used to run a small NGO, um, and we were working on culturally inclusive development. So we were looking at how can development not just be an increase in economic indicators, but an increase in quality of life and how is quality of life dependent on each individual society. So we would travel to different places around the world. And um, rather than being like, this is what we're going to give you, or this is what you need as like a outsiders thinking we know the right answers, we would do a series of workshops where we would lead the, um, the community through, uh, like through questioning themselves and then ask them, what do you want and provide that to them so that they would mm. um, make the decisions um, and, and do so in a organized kind of way. And the first project was in this village in Tanzania and, and I just loved it from the beginning. And then I went back a second time and I was just like, I really, really love this. And I don't just want to, you know, like give grants or help you. Like I want something to like a reason to go back. Mm. And I also didn't want to just give people, like I wanted to help my friends there, but I didn't just want to give cash or something. So I said, you know what, like I'll buy a farm, you know, and it'll be mine and a reason for me to go back. But you guys keep all the, the money and all the food from it. Um, you know, and then, uh, and it's a reason to go. And, uh, and then every time I go back now, I usually like buy another one or I'll like, um, uh, I, you know, like I have one that's like below water, like it's rice. So it's like below water. I have another one, like I have different types. I'm like, you know, I like collecting. You're, you're a diverse farmer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> diverse when, farmer. when you, when you said, uh, well, when I saw your videos and I saw that you were in um, UAE, it actually kind of made sense right away. We have this friend, um, Divya from Dubai and she, is fluent in 10 languages um, and she knows more than that, but just from growing up there and, you know, when you're a kid, you just absorb everything and it's just natural to, you don't go in and like learn it in that way. And, you know, to, to, to hear and see like that sort of um, upbringing where culture and diversity, and she explains how much diversity she had in her school and, you know, all the sort of events she went to versus in America, I thought we were supposed to be, 
that way right. where, you know, sometimes it's like, we're, we're, it's not celebrated the same way. So it's, it's unique to see that difference. Yeah. I think it's like, it's, it's real in a way. And I think it's also because of our location, like we really are in the center of the world. You know, we are eight hours from 80% of the world's population, um, four hours from a third of it. And so mm. we, you know, like in my job, bringing companies into Abu Dhabi, we have a lot of companies that like want to access India and Pakistan. And they do that from here because it's three, four hours away or East Africa, Tanzania is only four hour flight away. You know, the, the rest of the Middle East or, um, you know, you go to Central Asia, also only four hours away. You go to Europe, it's five or six hours, you know, so it's, Crazy. um, it's, whereas America is, there's a lot of different cultures, but it's all, it's so disconnected. It's also like so big in and of itself. And so it doesn't have to like focus on things other than itself in a lot of ways. Um, and then I think also lately there's been this, um, even though the, the population has been diversifying in America and historically we'd always say anybody can become American. Um, you know, it's not like American is not, uh, uh, cult, like is not an ethnic identity. Now, in some ways, it is being looked at as that. And that kind of makes me, uh, like, sad. Like, I've, for example, I speak Spanish. And a lot of people would be like, why do you speak Spanish? I'll be like, oh, because I'm American. And in America, you, you kind of have to. And to me, that makes sense. But to a lot of people, that doesn't make sense. You know, like, to Americans, that wouldn't make sense either. Yeah. <laughs> like, I live in New Mexico and yeah, Texas, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like, in, um, where, and New Mexico is a bilingual, it's the, the two bilingual states constitutionally are Hawaii and New Mexico, right? So New Mexico oh. is English oh. and Spanish. Um, and so that, uh, you know, but it should be more of that, right? Yeah. There's so many people that like it, th this idea of like, we're in America speak English is so <laughs> opposite of. Yeah. Of the, How many know. languages do languages do you speak? To be honest, I really only speak English like perfectly or not even perfectly. Like I speak English, you know, fluently. Um, and then I'm quite good in Spanish, Swahili, um, German and Italian. And then, um, not uh, Arabic. You were speaking yeah, a little French. Arabic at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, in French and Arabic, I can like, like I'm in a lot of interactions in Arabic, and I can understand what's happening, but I'm not very good at speaking it. Mm -hmm. But I, I can, um, you know, I can pray in Arabic. I can understand conversations, but I sometimes get lost in like specifics. Well, that's better than us. We can just pray. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and read. And, and read it. And right. not understand and not, it. Not understand what we're reading, though. I met a, I, I had a phone call with a, a girl, a woman who I think is for, uh, like a friend of mine connected us, I think for work or something. And she was a, um, what's the word when you can recite the entire Quran? Hafiz. Hafiz. Yeah. And uh, she's Pakistani and she's a uh, Hafiz. And she, um, I was like, oh, and like, do you like speak here? Like, do you know what you're saying? And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, so you can oh. like, how is that? <laughs> I was like, so you like, and it's not, it just like blew my mind that she, and she says she has to practice an hour every day to keep it up. Oh, you know, like that it's, and then I just thought, but if you don't know what you're like saying, that's sad. Well, usually right. as they're, as they're uh, memorizing it, they do um, like understand what, the context of like a surah is or something like that. But yeah, yeah. word for word, I, mean, I think probably, most, yeah. most people that are memorizing, they don't know every single word. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. But, I feel like um, it's like when you sing a song, but you don't realize what you're singing, like what it actually means. Dangerous. That's how I feel it uh, is. That was like me singing candy shop in like. Yeah. Grade. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I one of the main ways I learned Swahili was to trans. They love Rihanna, my friends in in uh, my village in Tanzania, and they were like, they would ask me, "What is she saying?" And I would have to think, and it was like a good way to learn words that I wouldn't learn like normally. So I try and explain it, you know. Say so, so they were like, um, there was the song like "Man Down." And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, well, you know, like she got, this girl got raped and she's telling her mom, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go kill the guy. And they're like, what? Like, this is a fun song. Like, how's that? Jeez. And then they're, and then they're like, okay, what about, um, uh, what about like unfaithful? And I'm like, well, oh, no. her, her like husband cheated on her and uh, oh, her, she she's cheating that, on the husband. Yeah, she's cheating on her husband. And they're like, what? And then they were like, um, and then there's a song, Te Amo. And I'm like, well, this is complicated because it's a different language. And I was like, well, she's dancing with a girl and the girl's Spanish and the girl says Te Amo and Rihanna's asking if that means I love you. And they're like, is Rihanna a lesbian? And then they were like, what? And then they were like, what about um, Umbrella? And I was like, she's just kind of saying Umbrella over and <laughs> <laughs> like, so there's funny. not much. She's offering much. an umbrella to somebody in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but it was it's a good like i feel like songs is a good way to learn another language because it, it's like there's random word like i always say like i speak home german and i speak village swahili like i know enough to hang out with my family in germany and i in swahili i know enough to live in the village but i can't like do my job in any of those languages because i don't like there's very specific words that i you know say like for invest like i don't know how to say investments in swahili as an example like i don't like when would I have to say that? What do you have to like learn as far as basics of language whenever you travel to a new country? What do you kind of like keep in mind and how do you flow with it? Yeah, you know, that's like, there's an interesting like, that's always something I've found fascinating because I've found that people actually love the opportunity to speak English. Oh, you know, like people, people So love, frustrating. No, but it's it's nice when you're like, like they get so excited when you're like, thank you. And they're like, you're welcome. Like they're so like, as yeah. much as like, I want to mm -hmm. learn how to say thank you in every language, I often realize that, and they do enjoy it when you're trying, mm -hmm. it's often more fun for them. Like, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it's kind of like, it seems silly because everyone thinks, oh, if you learn the language, it's showing that you care. But it's actually kind of selfish in a way, right? Because it's like your joy. Whereas when you're like, uh, for example, when I lived in Pakistan, my driver, you know, I would like, he was like so excited that we got to speak English and I'd be like, well, teach me like, you know, uh, Urdu. And he's like, no, like teach me English. Like, <laughs> like, all right, that's better. Like we'll do that. Yeah. Sometimes I'll like go on chat roulette or something. Um, just to, I love, you know, meeting strangers. That's the whole reason this podcast even exists. But sometimes I just want to talk to different people from around the world. And um, I ask them like what they're doing. And sometimes I'll op open up Google translate and try to like, Cause I feel like having a conversation is the best way rather than trying to like read or whatever. And they're always like, Oh, I'm just here to learn English. And I'm just like, next. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. It is, it is absolutely selfish. Yeah. I think that it's, I, I do try and learn how to say like, thank you. Um, and like, hello. Um, you know, but I, I, to be honest, I don't go into every country being like, oh, I'm needle, because I'm, you're going to forget, like, it's not useful. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, um, uh, people, I really find that people just enjoy, enjoy that. I do, I have always found, um, you know, like the, the patriotic American in me, I love when I would be like, 
you know, like walking through like a small village in somewhere in like Southeast Asia and they would be like, Obama, you know, like, cause they're like, <laughs> they know America. And I'm like, then all those French guys and the British guys when like, and they're walking and people are like, what's up dog. You know, and they're, I'm like, ha, huh, like w- cultural colonialism. Like, you know, like <laughs> where's the one, but then I was in, um, in Eritrea and I was walking, um, down the street and this kid was like China man. And I was like, well, and then I was like, well, because the, you know, the, the only foreigners that really are there, because China's doing a lot of projects in Eritrea are Chinese. And so they think anybody that doesn't look Eritrean is Chinese. Oh, it's just like a foreign word for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like the same how like in, you know, uh, because like the movies and the TV shows that people watch are usually tend to be American. So whenever you're in like Southeast Asia or Africa or wherever people see a white person, they just assume they're American. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, but uh, now that's changing a little bit, right? Like there's other, like uh, now with like K-pop and, um, and with like Bollywood being watched around the world too, like there, it's kind of cool. There's, that's like a new type of globalization. Um, And uh, yeah, so I I found that really interesting that when the guy was like, oh, like anyone who's not from here must be from China because that's all they know. They, you know, they've only met. People um, usually like will um, just ask to know cuss words if they want to yeah. <laughs> learn some language from me they just, just teach me the, the cuss words i think that's really dangerous because you like curse words have like such a a place in language mm. and you sure. can't really use them like you don't know what it means and then like to get the like, impact it's a, of them either it's like a negative power and then it can and i remember once like we i had i was traveling with a friend we got really frustrated about something and she said like a curse word we had learned. And then we were just like, we actually don't know the severity, you know, like if you think about in English, uh, you know, like the different, like, like levels of, of, you know, like if you call someone an idiot versus like, I don't know, like the N word or something, it's a huge difference, you know? So if you say like, or, you know, or even whatever, like there's, you know, like if you call, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to like say that a girl is bad. Right. But some are like, you don't say, and some you get hit if you say, and some are just mean, right? Mm-hmm. And, but explaining that, like, you know, nuance to someone who doesn't speak the language, they're going to get confused. So if you suddenly, like, have, you know, a random dude calling girls, like, the C word, you know, right. they're going to get hurt. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely depends on context and being around, like, when we... D- usually it's like someone who just is around you know you and your friends so it's like a funny sort of thing to do but you're right you know it could if they use it outside of that it it could be like a dangerous thing for sure you're just in a pro- like not usually not even dangerous just like rude like it's yeah they're, they're- it, that's not how you want to represent you know especially as the friend that taught it to them like you know telling them to be careful or something yeah they'll be like amber told me to say this right <laughs> What are, um, what are some other logistics of when you get ready to travel, such as like, you know, your goals when you go to a new country, the time it takes to prepare and the time you want to spend there? Yeah, you know, I, I am really a, a small planner. Like I don't, I have friends who will tell me in, two, in 2022, I'm going to go to Chile and on day one, I'm doing this, day two, I'm doing this. I most often land without a hotel booking, without a plan, not because I don't want to be I want to do what I want today. You know, I want to wake up every day. What do I want to do and do that? Um, especially when I travel. And so I'm like really infamous for booking last minute and finding out I don't have the visa and like struggling. 
Um, but the things that I like to do is I, whenever I get to a new place, I'll always like go for a really long walk. Like I just like to see like the, the town or the city and just like understand it a little bit more like rather than going from site to site and like being in like a taxi or whatever, I want to just kind of explore it. I also will always look like, what is the, the like unique foods here? Like the national foods. I love like um, experiencing a country through food. Um, I really like art. Um, and so I usually will go to a gallery, especially like a contemporary art gallery, because I feel like you see the culture in a really specific way. Um, so usually that's what I'll do is I'll like, when I'm going to a new place, first I'll see if any of my friends are from there and I'll ask them, uh, for, you know, like what I should be doing. Um, then I will like usually like find like a, you know, a, a hotel that seems to be like in the right kind of place and that I enjoy. And then I will, um, go find like the best foods to eat and like see some like cultural events. Um, do you travel alone usually- or are you with, um, different people? I've done uh, like a mix, like a, so I've done a lot for work. So that would be like with colleagues often. Um, one of my ex-girlfriends and I went to like 30 countries together. Um, so that was always fun. I've done probably like 60 countries alone or something uh, in quite a few. I would go with friends a lot, like um, different friends. You know, a lot of my, um, even one time, one of my friend's moms was like, I'm jealous of how you like go to these crazy places. And I was like, come. She's like, I can't come with you. You're my daughter's friend. I'm 50 years old. And I was like, whatever. Like, don't tell her. Like, just come on. (laughs) (laughs) We went to Mongolia, China, and North Korea together. What? Yeah. And the daughter is like a, um, you know, a, uh, like a human rights activist. And she's like, you're bringing my mom to North Korea. You're supporting (laughs) like nuclear missiles. And I was like, it costs like a thousand dollars. I don't think we're like giving that much to the regime. Frost, you should tell them about your, what your mom said. Yeah, podcast. I was like, I, this morning I was telling my mom, um, like, I was like, mom, we're having this guy on who's been to every country in the world. And then I was like, uh, she was really excited. And then um, I was like, do you have any questions for him that you want me to ask? And she's like, yeah, just ask him to tell me next time he's going so I can come with him. <laughs> like, y'all, I don't like, I, you know, actually, I, I post a lot of, um, like the kind of like the best content or what people enjoy the most from me has been when I'm in my village in Tanzania. And uh, so I decided, I was like, you know what, I'm, I put together this like document and I told, I said, if anybody wants to go, like this is a real, um, you know, like a great experience that you can have that you probably wouldn't get as a normal tourist. And so I think I've had something like 12 of my followers go to my village, staying in the house of like the, like with the family that I stay with, um, like hanging out with my friends, which is like oh, wow. really exciting. Um, and uh, but yeah, tell your mom we can go wherever we want. <laughs> I don't, don't tell your dad. <laughs> tell him. When now it I was comes hanging to out you. with everybody's moms. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, when you pack, do you like try to pack as light as possible? Are you naturally like? a light packer or what and like what do you look for in a hotel like what is what satisfies your needs when it comes to like hotels and like packing yeah so on the packing side i do pack pretty light Mm -hmm. and i would rather uh, sometimes especially lately now that i'm i guess the thing is like so like i traveled to i did the 100 you know 93 countries in like 13 or 14 years Mm -hmm. so it's like was very different at different stages right and right now where I have like a home and I can bring stuff back to it's different so now 
I will, or not this year because of COVID, but the, before I would often travel really light and buy clothes there. I thought that was always mm. fun, you know, to be like, oh, you know, um, you know, I got like I bring back stuff, um, but I do pack pretty light. Um, you know, usually just like a couple outfits. I don't, and then I'll like buy stuff uh, wherever I'm going, and then um, in a hotel again, it depends on the trip, like in uh, in who I'm with, and also how long I'm staying. Like if I'm just need a place to sleep then I'm going to get like a, a cheap place. Right. Because mm-hmm. if, when I'm staying at like a really great resort, I don't want to leave, you know? So right. if I know that I'm going to be out and about and I want to go see all this stuff, I will, um, I'll just get a, not like a, a good place that I feel like is clean and is in a good location. Um, but I won't get like the really nice hotel. Whereas if I'm going for like a relaxation trip or if I'm bringing a girl, I will get like, you know, they'll, I'll try and get something really, really nice. Cause then like the hotel, it becomes the vacation. You know, like if you're mm. going to a to the Maldives, you're going for the resort. You know what I mean? So um, it, it really depends. And so that's what's funny is people often will be like, "Are you a, a luxury or a budget traveler?" And I'm like, it depends on the trip. You know, like yeah, I've yeah, done. That makes sense. I've stayed in places that are like I wouldn't ever let like for us as mom stay in ever you know even. <laughs> and then, she's right. super picky as is she doesn't even like she takes her own uh blankets and pillows and everything so <laughs> that that's a, but but you know then there i've also stayed in some of the best hotels in the world and i feel like it's that's what's exciting about travel is to do it in like in different ways people are, will also be like are you a fast or a slow traveler and i'm like again like there's the 15 countries i've lived in and then there's the 10 countries i like didn't sleep in and like but it's just about having a good time each one um yeah so i think it, it each trip is always like different and i'll think about it at the time like what do i want like do i do i want to go relax or do i want like an adventure and like maybe be uncomfortable yeah. and i like to do kind of it all. for people that ask about like financials i'm guessing like there's no one answer right it also depends on what country you're going to yeah i mean i think that it's uh so i'm I never count because I traveled a lot for work. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much it costs to go to every country. I have no idea. Um, I've heard from like the community of people who've done it. A lot of people say like if you average a thousand dollars a country, it's probably a good estimate. You know, there's countries where you'll do a lot less. There's countries where you'll have to do more. Um, depends how long you're in each one. Um, you know, and, and it's also just like up to like what you want to spend your, your money on, you know, like I have friends who like love really, really nice hotels. Um, or, you know, I normally spend more money on food. Like I all rather do like a really nice dinner. And then like, like I'll go from like the best restaurant in the country to like the worst hotel because mm-hmm. like, it, you know, that's like the preference, but, um, it depends how you want to travel. And I always tell people when they're, when they're asking like, where should they go? It's always like, okay, well, and how should they budget? It's like, you know, like how many days do you want to go? Like what level of luxury do you want to travel in and like how, um, uh, you know, like what is your, your budget? And so if you're telling me you only have a thousand dollars, um, and you have a week, then I'm not going to tell you to go to, you know, uh, to whatever the Bahamas, right? Like I would say, okay, maybe for a thousand dollars for a week, you know, you should go somewhere that's probably like easier to be cheaper. Um, but if you're saying you have a thousand dollars for two days, then you can, you know, so it, I think it really depends on what you are and what like the, what the preference is. Um, and then you should just always do what you, uh, I th- one thing I find fascinating is that people will over overestimate how much they like to travel and then under 
uh, under prioritize it in their financing. So like I have a lot of people will tell me like friends, they'll say, oh, I like, I wish I had the, the money to, to go to uh, travel like you do. And then they'll be like, Oh, and I'm, you know, just uh, like bought this, uh, you know, whatever, $5,000 thing. And I'm like, you realize you could do a lot of travel with that, you know, but you, it's different priorities and that's totally fine because whatever you want to spend your money on, you should. Right. Um, and, uh, but if it, if it is travel, there's way to, there's ways to get it done. And I also always try and push people to think about travel in a much broader sense. Um, especially cause a lot of my following is from like India, Pakistan, Malaysia, and they aren't able to, to travel to all uh, like, you know, travel doesn't mean getting on a 12 hour flight. Like it could be about going to the restaurant that serves a different type of food in your hometown. It could just be like talking to like your neighbor who's like 80 years old and asking about like history, you know, like it, there's, um, uh, you know, to, to travel is really about experiencing new things and you can experience new things in a lot of, uh, different ways. It's so easy to see new things when you're in a new country because everything is different, but you can, you know, you can go in your, um, you can go, you know, get new lessons from your best friend. You know, but you just have to have that like perspective and that mindset. I think that's a really uh, important point. And Shamir, I'm glad you asked that question too, because I think, you know, Sal, you're right, where it's people will consider the financial aspects and then it totally determines where they go from there. I know growing up in a very small town in Maryland, you know, people have never gone outside of the town. There's so many people that don't know anything outside of that. And when they, you know, when I'd be working different jobs, they would often hear that I'm going to like even just Texas or New York or California or Florida. And they would be like, oh my God, you travel so much. And how do you do that? And I'm just like, this is just in the US. It's, it doesn't require any you know, big sort of damage to your bank account in any way. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think that there's also this privilege because I got to go to those places because we were, you know, invited there, we were flown out. You talk about, you know, not even knowing how much certain things cost because of your work. So I wanted to kind of highlight that aspect of, you know, do you ever get flack or, or you know, questions about being uh, white in, you know, um, in your appearance and, and getting by with certain things, whether it be getting visas to a certain place or, you know, whatever it may be? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think travel is one of like the biggest privileges. I mean, I think the the first thing that I would say though is also to, you know, we have to um, like check ourselves and assuming uh, like if we prioritize travel, then traveling seems great. Mm. But you know, that person who's never left Maryland, they might be way happier than you because their goal is family and their family is great, you know? And so I never um, try and uh, like, I do think travel is a privilege because you get to see the rest of the world. Um, but I also think that, you know, I, you know, we're kind of like the economic theory of like a rational being. Like, I assume that everybody is trying to maximize their happiness. And I hope that everybody just like me wakes up every day and does what they want to do. In terms of the privilege question, I think that 1000%, I'm insanely privileged um, in almost every way. Um, I did a, you know, I studied identity in university and we did this like binary privilege test that was America focused. So it was, and is, you know, privilege isn't binary, but it was just as a, as an example to get us thinking. And so it was like white, non-white, Christian, non-Christian, um, you know, uh, 
whatever, like male, female, heterosexual, uh, non-heterosexual, um, all these things. And I, there's like 30 and uh, this was before I converted. So I was everything but tall. Like I was <laughs> like 29 of the privileges, but I wasn't tall. And um, what was interesting is like in that class, like the reason people take identity studies is usually because they want to like fight for their rights. It's not very many privileged white men who are sitting in a, in a class about gender or race, you know? And so it was interesting for me to say, okay, let me uh, like recognize my privilege and appreciate all the things that I get from it, but then work really hard to give that to other people. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. and then how do you, um, because it would be really dumb to not, there's like a difference between taking advantage of your privilege and uh, and privileging yourself over somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, how do I appreciate all all of it while also working to give that to others? And, and I try to do that in my personal life and in my professional life, right? And um, especially as you, as I grow in my career and I'm able to make like hiring decisions and stuff, you know, like uh, saying very, like, you know, always like my team's, are always at least 50% uh, female. You know, like there is, uh, there's never a plurality of one uh, race and especially not of like white, you know, and like just doing like little stuff like that, I think is really important. And also like the stories that you share as a content creator, like um, how are you making sure that you aren't only showing um, certain countries as poor or certain countries as war, um, uh, war torn, you know, and that's, uh, so to be mindful of it, but at the same time, all of that is still coming from me as like, as a educated, white, wealthy man, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, uh, but that's also what I am, you know, like I can't yeah. change it. So it's about being, uh, um, giving that space to others during, uh, quarantine, you know, the black lives matter, um, protest and movement got really important in the States and being really far away from it, but also not being, um, uh, you know, like being in the UAE is very like different than being in the States. And then also being like a white man, it's not really about me, but also having this like platform or like some sort of platform. I was like, you know, what do I say? And so what I decided to do there was I had four of my activist friends, three of which were black, one of which was queer and then a, a white a female activist. And I just like interviewed them because I was like, I'm giving my platform to you uh, today, you know, and, and, uh, we had these like great conversations and, uh, that to me was like how, how you can use your privilege of, um, uh, you know, to, to try and, uh, make things, but also it's, it's always going to be there. And I think sometimes it's, uh, it's about learning about it. I remember one of the first times that I knew I was traveling in Thailand with my best friend, who's a black American and I was like, I really have to go to the bathroom. I'm going to walk into that hotel. Like there's like a Sheraton or something. And he was like, you can't just walk into a hotel and use their toilet. And I was like, of course I can't. Like what, why would, why would oh, they say no oh, to someone needing to go to the bathroom? And he was like, he's like, oh, cause you're like white. Like they will think you belong there. Like no one's going to look at you when you walk in. And he's like, if I walked in there, they're going to immediately be like, what are you doing? You know? And then it's like to, um, you know, to belong everywhere or you know to be preferred everywhere is is interesting and then i also remember when i was studying identity for four years at like a pretty you know like intense rate um of like thinking about this stuff i never understood why why like 
reverse racism wasn't a thing. Like all the professors would always say that and everyone in the class would be like, yeah. And I'd be sitting there like too embarrassed to be like, doesn't it exist? And then I was living in Nairobi and I was reading Ta-Nehisi Coates' black, um, uh, what's it? The, the letter to his son. What, you know, the book I'm talking about, the, um, anyway, Ta-Nehisi Ta-Nehisi Coates is a, like a, a really amazing uh, black American author. And he wrote a book to his son, essentially, about being a black man in America. And I was like, this is exactly what I feel like being white in Kenya about like people. And I was like, so I said to one of my black American friends, I was like, see, like reverse racism does exist. And then she was, she said, no, because they're, even though they're taking advantage of you, they're not, they're taking advantage of your power. They're not taking advantage of your lack of power. And then it was like, mm. boom, I was like, duh like now and so like whereas people would be like that's why like people of color can't be racist because racism is taking advantage of a lack of power and if you lack power you're not able to take advantage of that right like like a a white person uh or like a a black person can't be racist because they are lacking the power in the institutional like you you know like what Mm -hmm. interesting i'm sorry i've been talking a lot about this but it's like like that's okay i think I think also one of the, um, you know, points that stuck out to me that while you were speaking was, you know, how you were saying that the amount of things that you check off as far as privilege and, um, you know, seeing it in that way and not just seeing it in a way of, you know, okay, so it's just about skin color. I, you know, am somebody who has always felt uh, the more that I grow up, I feel a lot more privileged than those around me, even if they're white. And, you know, even when we go to airports or like, you know, I hear about my friend's experiences I've never been stopped or checked or anything. Whereas someone like Shamir, you know, he gets stopped uh, often or like my friend Ahmed or, you know, other people that have something in their name. Um, and then I also look at the other side where there, I have, you know, I've worked in different organizations and uh, sometimes with refugees and we have different people that, you know, uh, are, are white and, and work in environments with, um, you know, people of color. And then they have a struggle of, trying not to look like a white savior. And I've always found that interesting where it's like, you know, they're like, I'm just trying to help. Like, what do I do to not do that? And you, this term uh, became popular uh, in America this year, especially it was like the, um, the white guilt. And I, I kind of cringe at that. It's like, um, I think, I think we're kind of forgetting what it's all about and, and how we can use all of our uh, privileges to our advantage you know, white or, or not. And sometimes I think that gets lost. I mean, I think, yeah, people are, everybody has privilege in different ways and in different situations and privilege isn't, uh, isn't a static thing. It changes, right? Like when you, I mean, it changes based on age and race and gender and class and all of these different things. And when you're in, you know, and it's dynamic like that. Um, and what's important then is to understand, uh, understanding those dynamics and the different ways that you can do it. I was once in Rwanda. I love Rwanda. I go quite a bit. I think it's, it's also one of the most interesting development stories of our time and like going from, uh, you know, horrific genocide in 1994 to being the safest country in Africa and cleanest now. It's amazing. And I was there and my, I was with a Brazilian friend and she was like, let's go to this Halloween party. But I was just traveling. I didn't have any costume. Um, but I, I studied critical development. So I like make fun of people who try and like develop countries and uh i was like i'll go as like a white savior ken you know so i wore like a polo <laughs> shirt and i it was like all of these like un and who and ngo people and they were all like what are you 
And I was like, oh, I'm white savior Ken. And they hated oh it. Oh my God. And and then I went to, then there's all these, there's a few Rwandese. And when I was like, oh, I'm white savior Ken, they were like, this is the best thing. And we were like, and so that became my, like my, um, you know, like who I hung out with that night. And I also feel like here, a lot of people will say, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot about making people just feel normal. I think it's like kind of what the whole point of the podcast is, right? Like the stranger thing and how do you connect with people? And, uh, you know, with, um, most of my friends are, are local Emiratis and some people just like put them like in, like they're afraid of like talking to the girls. They think they're very conservative or something. And I treat them like I would anybody because we're all human and that, uh, like enables it, but also there's a way to, um, to treat people like a human, but also still realize like your privilege and understand the the cultural differences and, and be respectful to that. But it's not easy. And it's, that's why people, uh, wish it was binary because it would, it would make, if it could just be like your privilege and you're not, that'd be great. Um, you know, but one of your privileges was that before you converted so that it like helped your privilege and also that you pray in Arabic. So I'm assuming that you converted to Islam, right? Yeah. And out of all the countries that you visited and all the cultures that you visited, like you chose to convert to Islam, like how did you come about that? And what was the reason for that? Yeah. So I was, um, uh, I raised, I was raised, Catholic. And I, uh, I mean, like the short version is that I was always very spiritual and I would always pray a lot and I would love to pray with anybody. So whenever I was like traveling, I, you know, I, when I was in, um, I lived in Mumbai for three months in the summer, summer, and I prayed there with Zoroastrians and with Hindus. And then I was in the indigenous part of Venezuela and Brazil. And I prayed with like the local indigenous, um, kind of, it's like animist religions in a way. Um, I prayed with, I lived, uh, for four months in Tel Aviv and I prayed with like in Jewish temples. I lived in the Middle East and I prayed in like Muslim places. I just like love praying. Like I love connecting with God. And I was calling myself like a mystic pantheist. I was like, I believe that God is everywhere and that we can have a direct connection with God. Mm-hmm. And I was in Tanzania. I feel like Loki, my- that's like a travel, travel, uh, stereotype, like a travel person stereotype, like that say things like that. I mean, fair, but <laughs> I, but I think it's, yeah, that's, that's fine. I feel like it's more, uh, uh more of the travelers I meet are like atheists. They'll just be like, I believe in like earth. And and I do meet like, for example, like we, you know, or, like, I don't know if you guys pray, but like, you know, with the Sajda is putting your head to the earth. Right. And it's about like putting your heart above your, your head. Right. Um, and, uh, I have friends like yogis who they're like, I don't really pray, but like when I'm like put my third eye, like to the power of like mother nature, I'm like, you know, that's what we, that's why we do that. You know, like, it's like, that's the same. They're like, no, no, but like, you're praying. Like what I'm doing is like meditate. I'm like, I'm like, it's the same. <laughs> like, and so what, that's why I loved like praying with all these different, cause it was the same thing. It was about trying to form a connection with the divine, like with the ineffable, like what we cannot call Right. And when I was in my farm, this, this old man was like, well, what are you? Cause I would go on Fridays to the mosque and on Sunday to the church. He's like, you're weird. And I was like, well, like, you know, and I was like, these are the things that I believe. And he's like, oh, okay. You're Muslim. And I was like, what? And he's like, you just told me the five tenets of Islam. And I was like, excuse me. I was like, tell me more. <laughs> and as he like started to say it, I was like, it was the, like, it was the first time I felt like I was hearing the truth and not just a truth. 
And I, um, then I got really interested about like the history of it and like what, you know, separating culture from religion and, um, separating religion from spirituality and like, what does Islam actually mean? And the more that I got into it and have in the past eight years since I converted or seven, eight years since I converted is, um, is, you know, is, like, I just, I think it is the, the one and only truth. And I don't think it's always practiced in that way. Um, you know, and you know, we could have a whole podcast about that. That's like also on my, like Islam, my two favorite con- conversation topics are identity and Islam or religion more broadly. So happy to do those, but, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think it, people don't realize that Islam is like the most flexible religion in the world. Like it really, like that's the reason it was able to spread so fast because it's very like, you know, when, um, like right after the time of the prophet peace be upon him, we would go and, you know, they spread within 200 years into Europe. And it was because they would say, okay, like it, it's just about believing that there's one God and being on the journey to, to God. Like that's really what Islam is. Right. And, um, they would be like, okay, but you know, uh, for example, like, uh, when they got to the Christian areas, they're like, well, we do the rosary. Like, that's fine. You can do that. Like, we'll call it the Misbah or the Tasbih, you know, like just instead of saying the Hail Marys do like the names of a lot, you know, like it, it's so adaptable. And what's cool about having traveled to every country in the world and having lived in a lot of Muslim countries as well is that it's practiced so differently and it's imbued into different cultures. And yet people will be like, Oh, this is like a Muslim thing. It's like, no, that's, that's like a, that's an Emirati thing or like that's a Pakistani thing. It's not, that has nothing to do with Islam, but people associate it so much. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's um, like converting is the best thing I ever did, but uh, yeah. And, and I did it in Tanzania. I didn't do it in the, in the UAE and I didn't do it for a woman or that's what everybody always assumes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know we'd get a khutbah from brother Sal today, but that was, that was great <laughs> to have yeah. that. I wanted, I wanted to ask you, um, uh, with, I see like a lot of people on TikTok, especially, uh, where they, um, I just launched TikTok. Sal Vala, follow me. Follow like, and people. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, they'll like, they'll have this, I just converted story, right? And immediately there's so much um, welcoming and warmth. And they're like, welcome, welcome, welcome. And immediately they hit all these followers and, and it's great. And then the second TikTok they post after that, it's the Haram police just going off on them. I was, I wanted to ask you, have you faced the backlash that comes with Muslim communities um, from different cultures and all of that? Yeah, um, absolutely. So I've, uh, I didn't post about my, what I wanted to be, and I've have a lot of my followers who are very devout Muslims. Um, and I've also have a lot of my followers who say I'm the only Muslim that they've ever heard of or talked to. And I like both of it. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want any adjectives. Like I don't want to be a Muslim traveler or a American traveler. Like I just want to be like, me. that's, you know, that's, very cliche, but like, or I don't convert. want it. Yeah. Or like, yeah, that also, I don't like, I hate when people be like, Oh, voila, you chose it. You know, like you're better than us because you chose, I'm like, but you identify as a revert. Like that's what you call yourself. Like, no, I know. I'd say that I'm Muslim. Like, I don't okay. think it, I don't think it like matter. Like, and there, you know, somebody, people will be like, well, like what were you born as? And they'll be like a baby. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you're, you're not born as like, you know, they'll say, like, oh, but like you were a, a you know, Catholic when you're you know, like, yeah, like I was raised Catholic, but I wasn't born something like nobody is. Um, and, 
Yeah. So, but I have, for example, I've, I think, um, I did a, a video about Islam with one of my friends who has a big following and I got a lot of, of Muslim followers from that. I also did a conversion story post somewhere that also went viral. And I, so I, a lot of my followers are Muslim and I've also the post like a video of me dancing and I lost like, you know, a thousand followers from that. And DMs, um, also, brother, you should not be doing this. You should not be promoting <laughs> yeah, I, this. You know, I've like hugged like a, a female in a video or like talked about like a, a girlfriend and been told. And I think what's, um, what's funny about it to me is like, number one is like a, a huge, one of the most important parts of, of, of the most important part of Islam is la 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 la, right? There's no God, but God. And a part of that is that we cannot judge anybody else or tell anybody else, like you're going to, to hell for this, right? At the same time, we are supposed to give like recommendations to others. And so like, that's like an interesting balance of like, how do you do that? And, but at the same time, Islam is incredibly accepting of, of sin, right? And of like learning about it and like learning from it. And when we're praying, a, like an important part of the prayer, when we sit up, we say a star figure a lot, like we say, forgive me for my sins, right? Because we, and we have to say that five times, and we actually say it 20 times a day because you say it every time, right? So we have to say that 20 times a day because we're sinning every day, right? And we should be aware of our own sins. And like most sins for people are not what you can see. Most people's sins are, are in their minds, right? Hmm. And so if, you know, I like, I don't think it's a sin to hug my female friend. I don't, because I don't think it takes me further away from God. Um, but uh, if you do think that, like they're worry about other stuff, like they worry about yourself, first of all. And then for me, there's a lot of other things I need to worry about more than, than that, you know? So, Bro, you're about so to like get that. us with all those comments now. Like, did he just, <laughs> you're about to get attacked on this podcast. <laughs> they can worry about, everybody needs to worry about their own set of sins, yeah. basically. Oh yeah, but like the, the thing, if like, like I will, in the first admit, like I sin, like we all do, you know? And so like to like, it's, but call me out on what I actually sin on. Don't call, yeah. you know, like. Mm. Uh, you no know, hypocrisy and, and, and like judgment in that, in that negative way that takes you away from being a part of yeah, a religion. If, if people actually knew what my sins were, they wouldn't even ever subscribe. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, you know, like if you think like you can film a sin of mine, you're, you're well you're probably true but but like the worst stuff is always in in the mind right and i think like for example in that video that went viral of my conversion i was praying in it and i had a calf injury i'd like i'd sprained my leg and so when i was praying my leg was up and so many people were like oh brother you need to your foot needs to be down and i was like you know always give some like I, one of my imams told me once if you see a person eating pork what do you a muslim eating pork what do you say right and what you should say is, are you starving? Right? Because eating, like it, it's, you mm -hmm. there's it, like to assume that they're sinning is a sin in yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so see, are they like, is that a sin? Right. And I, would, they, I would ask, what does it taste like? Because <laughs> we're curious. <laughs> is it good? <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but I think it's, yeah, I do, I do get that though. And I, but I'm like, I am going to dance in some stuff and I, and I am going to like live my own life. And if people don't want to see that in the following, like I would, you're, you see 1.1% of my life. Um, and I'm thank you for your, if it's a, a positive uh, desire to make me a better person, but if it's just to like point out like a little thing, like I prefer you not to. And if it's something, mm -hmm. especially if it's like something uh, like, uh, 
like for I was asked to be in like a Muslim documentary where he's going to be like talking to different Muslims and they um they said that they were going to make all of the women uh, cover and I was like I'm not going to do it like I won't mm-hmm. be in something that is like it, I was like that's not they wanted to show yeah they're like I want to show the diversity of Islam and I was like then show people show women that choose not to uh, cover and they're like oh but and they're like, but that is, um, that's Haram. I'm like, you think it is, but ask her if she thinks it is. And she'll probably tell you she doesn't think it is. And that's the diversity of Islam. And that's what's exciting, you know? Um, and so don't, and so I refuse, I decline the, the thing. Um, and I think we all just need to assume that everybody is doing their best to get closer to God mm-hmm. and help where we can. But like, help yourself first, help your family. But like, the random person on the internet, like, they have enough people, hopefully, around them that they're they're doing fine yeah i know i know it's been an hour um are you able to go a little longer because i do want to get back to some of the travel stuff you know i'm completely chill i mean it's the it's literally my weekend and i'm doing i'm spending my <laughs> okay friday night with you guys because so. i know we're having a lot of fun so i yeah. just want to make sure yeah. you're, you're in touch with this and i do want to get back to the more uh fun questions i know we stayed a little longer is Islam not fun to you <laughs> Dang. Well, I just, I just want to, I just want to be open to our, to our uh, lovely Islamophobic uh, viewers and listeners as well. And we love them, so we just want them to be able to fast forward to a, a more exciting part for them. Oh man! <laughs> no, no, you're. I we appreciate you uh, even going into depth about you know both those subjects about the whole privilege thing and about your conversion story. Um, it's it's really great that you know when you're able to be open and honest about it and not just be like. Uh, give blanket statements for the sake of covering a certain, you know, topic. So I, I really respect and appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so back to the fun. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, what's, what's the country that you felt most welcomed in by the, by the people? I think probably Algeria. I was there, I was supposed to be there for six days and I ended up staying for over a month. And part of that was because I was going to Libya next and my visa got delayed. Um, But I met this group of friends. We were supposed to just have a dinner together and we ended up like, I ended up staying in their home. We're still friends to this day. Like it's, they were, it was just the most hospitable. Everybody, all the mothers wanted to cook for me. Everybody wanted to show me. Uh, It was just, you know, it, it was amazing. And I really feel like, Arab culture is really um, uh, kind of about that. So also in the Emirates, people are incredibly welcoming. Um, they'll always welcome you to their home, tell you it's their home, um, you know, and uh, not to make it unfun again, but travels mentioned 27 times in the Quran and like being a, a traveler is really important and being a host is really important. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like Arab culture, but also is Islamic culture is like, is puts a emphasis on travel and being a host and being a guest. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think Algeria for sure, but then also like most of the, the airport. Mm-hmm. I want to ask how he said the mothers thing again, <laughs> Sal and the mothers, keep your mom like away it. from Sal. That, I mean, if you want to talk about my sins, like, I want to ask the, the flip side of that question. Um, maybe what was the, not the most pleasant hospitality? No diplomatic answers. Yeah, well, or so what, or we can we don't have to say based off the country. You could say your personal experience in that yeah. country. Yeah, and that's what I would say. Is, so my the my least favorite experience I had was the first time I went to Djibouti, and I where is that? Was just in uh, the Horn of Africa. It's like uh, borders Eritrea and Somalia. Okay, and um, and it's like right across from Yemen. Uh, and I just it was 
boring. There wasn't anything to do. The people weren't kind to me. It was hot. Like it just wasn't great. Like we got ripped off by some stuff. And because of that experience, I was like, I have to go back again and have a better experience. Cause I blamed myself, not the place. Um, I was like, maybe it was the wrong time, uh, like in the wrong vibe, whatever. And I went back a second time and had a really great experience. And I, and I like, um, for a long time, I wouldn't answer the question of like, what's the worst place? Because I was like, oh, Djibouti, like it's totally Djibouti. But then I was like, you know what? Like let I need to give it a second chance. And, uh, and so I went back and I had a great time. Um, uh, and I always feel like the places that I don't want to go to end up being the ones I want to go the most. Cause I'm like, why don't I want to go? Mm-hmm. You know? So it'll be like, if you think about like, what's the country you least want to go to, it actually is the one you're kind of the most interested in, you know? And like it, like, so that ends up being kind of, uh, it makes it more fun. Is there like a sense of fear at all? I, um, would always, I don't think it's cool to be, uh, in danger. I have a lot of friends um, who are like, who travel a lot, who will tell you these stories of horrible things and think that it's like awesome. Um, and it's hard to go to every country in the world without having those horrible things. I don't share those publicly usually because I think it's like it, it I don't like, you can read about that in the news, you know, like I'll tell you the great stuff. Um, but I've always try and do them the safest way that I can. Right. So I've been sometimes scared and usually proven wrong, you know, like I'll be, and, and whenever I've gone to those, those countries, I've, um, I, uh, I'm always like amazed that like life goes on. And like, I, I think you expect it to be like, everyone's afraid doing nothing. Um, I was living in Pakistan when there was the Karachi airport bombing in 2014 or the attack. I don't know if it's bombs or guns, but the attack and, um, the my firm security like the for the company i work for they called and you know they were like you won't um like it won't affect your performance at all if you choose not to go back um you know but from their perspective because i was working in lahore they were like it's fine like because it happened in karachi and whatever they told and they um and i you know also give a lot of credit to to that uh the the firm security that i was working at, at at mckinsey because he um he's like and i'll call your parents if you want like them to have it explained to them as well. Like they were really great about it. And, uh, and I decided to delay my trip one day before time difference in order to make sure that I could call my family and explain to them that like, it's safe. And, um, and I remember being like a little bit like more like nervous and then just like it was like, it was totally normal. I was like so far away from it and it's, uh, you know, such a random thing, but you know, how many more clicks would I get if I was like, I was in, in uh pakistan during this attack you know oh like, my god you know you but even like, be on this podcast right now yeah you on like <laughs> cnn <laughs> but you like that like what a boring like it was such an unimportant part of like the trip you know so like i i don't even know if i've like ever talked about like that before ever because it's like not yeah. it wasn't a big part of my experience and i don't want people to because that's what they're going to remember too right you know, yeah like, mm-hmm. That's what I always say when people, you know, growing up here, um, living around uh, mostly like white conservative people, these, uh, I would, you know, be like doing waiter jobs as uh, paying for my college and stuff like that. And I remember I would get questions every single day, um, which were like, oh, where are you from? You know, like your English is so well, aren't you glad you're not there anymore and stuff. And my experience of, you know, growing up in Pakistan, I've never, you know, I know that things occur, but in my experience, it was just like, all I saw was like, I, not deserts and um, whatever you see in Call of Duty and um, 
you know, bombs or anything like that. Like, um, but it's interesting to, you know, hear what makes it on the news because it, it kind of makes sense at the same time where they're not going to show that like, oh, today was a good day in Pakistan. Yeah. <laughs> like they would only <laughs> highlight what's there. And, and if you don't get enough, um, you know, media coverage in the first place about things going on over there, yeah, uh, that's not the way it's going to go. And I remember like, I believe it was like two or three years ago, I was seeing that it was one of the number one travel destinations in the world. And I was completely blown away. I was like, how is that possible? <laughs> Um, yeah. that people want to go there and like, who are these people? I haven't heard of this at all. <laughs> like now people like like adventure and they, they're like, they, they want to take advantage. I think of that. Well, it helps like when those, when those travel vloggers go to a place like that and then people show it. Cause it is kind of like, sometimes people find it corny, but it does help in a way as well. Cause then everyone's like, Oh snap. Like that's what it's like. I want to experience that. And it's totally yeah, different. Like, oh, it's not like you can go. Like you're not going to be in a bunk the whole <laughs> yeah. time. You know? I, yeah. I think I saw like a TEDx talk you were doing uh, recently and you were saying to try to eliminate people's fears of traveling. You were saying there's more friendly people out there than there are like bad people. Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I think that it's like, for example, I, I, America is like scary to me because there's like all these guns. Like, I'm afraid when I go to America, I'm like, there's a mass shooting like every day almost. And they're like, what is it? Like in 2019, it was like oh, like 200 mass shootings. Like that's frightening to me. In the UAE, we don't have guns. It's like I said, it's the safest city in the world. And so to have lived here 10 years, like anywhere is scary to me a little bit. And I remember I was visiting an ex-girlfriend in Philadelphia, like downtown Philly. And we were like walking at night. And, you know, like as the boyfriend, I want to kind of be like, protecting but i'm like you know you're like protect me fam <laughs> yeah i'm like this is I'm like you live here like what like in abu dhabi i'll go running anywhere at like 4 a.m like i there's nothing that's gonna you know like god willing but i think it's um yeah like uh, that's what i find funny is people will have on their tv every single day a mass shooting and then be like oh but you know the middle east like really bad like it's easier to put like a certain uh community or race of people um uh as as like a enemy than it is to have like oh well who did this mass shooting if it happens to be like someone who's white then it's kind of harder to pinpoint like what what do we attack here and then it becomes kind of about different subjects such as you know you have the whole gun control debate and then you have things like mental health and uh, it sparks many other conversations, whereas it's a lot easier to just be like, oh, well, it was a black guy. Oh, well, it was, you know, a Muslim. So it's, again, I think it makes sense in that thinking, unfortunately. Um, and until we recognize that, like, it's not going to change. You know, it's not right, but it's consequential. Like, it, there's a reason why it's like that, but it's, it's, it shouldn't be. Um, yeah. Do you think everyone should travel to, like, eliminate that? I think everybody should, I, I think, again, I think travel is about like learning new things and having new experiences. And I think people should do that. Um, I also just think maybe people should be like more educated. You know, it, it's, it's really about um, uh, like the, just like, you know, the, you, you know, that it's the same thing that I said before, like the, you know, that you know nothing, right? Like, or um, you know, the Pocahontas song, where she's like uh, colors of the wind. And is this too, how old are you guys? Is this, this made by before your time? Like five years um, younger than you. 
Oh, okay. So like, or, but you or, saw, or, you know, the movie Pocahontas, yeah. it's actually yeah. problematic for other reasons. Now people don't yeah. like it very much, but in the song color of the wind, which is great. Vanessa Williams, like the, the Miss America who got it taken away because she had like one nude picture, which is another fuck up. But anyway, lots of, lots of problematic things with this, but there's a beautiful lyric where she says, you learn the things you never knew. You never knew. And I think about that a lot because I think that is the most exciting when you're like, didn't even like, if you didn't even know that Djibouti was a country and like, now, you know, like that's way more cool than learning a new fact about France, you know? And so I think we, um, we should, we should make people, or we should encourage people to be curious. And when people are curious, then they will, they will learn these things and they will be like more, more open-minded. And I do think that diversity helps that. Like you're going to, um, uh, you'll, you'll know more about uh, religions if you're around people from different religions and about different countries if you're around different countries. Um, and I, I think we're getting there mostly. I mean, I, but it's- uh, Hopefully. TikTok I, I is helping. Right. <laughs> I yeah, swear, I, I swear. I, so I, the reason I got on TikTok is for work, I met with some of the executives from TikTok and they said, um, you know, we want it to be an educational platform because a lot of young kids are on it. They have like shorter attention spans. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a one minute video about every country. And that's what I've started mm. to do. And so I've, and I'm that doing is a great the idea. order that I went there. Yeah. And, um, and I'm also putting some stuff of the cats and I put like a thing about how amazing Mariah Carey music is and like, like for Christmas and yeah. in general. But, um, you know, then Still I was like, well, I know I'm just, it's like, it's me. I'm like, today I wanted like, you know, my cats, something funny. I'm going to put that up. Um, and I think what's, what's exciting is to, to, if content creation was my job, whether it was Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or whatever, I would be way more focused on like very specific ways to do that. Yeah. And, um, but because it's not my job, I get to do it kind of in a way that I like. Um, yeah. And it means that I'm not as successful at it, you know, and, uh, <laughs> um, but that's, that's fine because I get to do what, um, what I like. And so on, yeah, on TikTok, I'm doing these like one minute videos for every country. Um, and I really like it because it's, it's, uh, it's a quick way for somebody to learn about play. And, you know, there's, um, we got to put them on to hate them. Yeah. I was just about to bring up Hatham. I actually have a friend who, um, like every video he does, he talks about every country's flag and describes why oh, it's cool. made like that. So it's really nice. And then he's moved on to like explaining different um, cultural, uh, you know, understandings between different countries and history. He's really into geography and stuff, but it's, it reminds me of that where like every video and then someone's like, oh, do my country, do my country. And it's like yeah. a beautiful sort of community. Is he like yeah, he has like 45,000 followers. So he's doing pretty well. He should like feature me, you know, do like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'll we'll definitely we'll tell you link it up. He's good stuff. I, um, I was gonna say, uh, you know, you you mentioned some of your um, ex girls, and so I had a question about that, not Ooh. about them, but but um, do you ever fall in love or or get in that sort of um, uh, element when you're traveling and you meet a nice you you've been to a lot of places with a lot of pretty women, so yeah, which um, is every country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, you. Yeah, I think I've never like had a like a vacation uh, fling. I think really, um, or like I think you need uh, to go back to all the countries all over again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, like I've, um, I think the 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 yeah. I mean, 
when I've been in a place a longer amount of time, for sure. Um, what I don't want to be is that like, that like a uh, traveler who is like on the prowl or something. Like if something happens, that's great and fun. It looks uh, for a hookup in the city before they leave. Well, it's not even yeah. that. It's like there's a, there's a romantic sort of idea that exists um, that, you know, oh, I travel to this place and then I meet this foreign girl and then I, I don't know, bring her home or like I live there and change I my met lifestyle. her father and we milk goats together. <laughs> this is People like, do this that. is like for us is like Google search, like history is <laughs> Like the erotic stories of meeting a girl. And, uh, <laughs> well, well, when I go on chat roulette, sometimes people are like, don't come to my country. I'm just like, why? And they're like, because the girls here, they're gonna, they're gonna go with you. And then they're taking the, I'm just like, what? And they're like, that's what everybody does. Some people really like find that to be a thing. Like some people are offended it's, by it. Like it's you a cut, much, so a much easier question to answer is, I've been to places where people are like, oh, foreigner, and they think that they fall in love with me. But they fall in love with with that visa. visa. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) um, And that is obviously, uh, you know, and and that's like, you need to, I mean. He said, I don't fall in love with girls. They fall in love with me. (laughs) I just think you have to, if you're only in a place for like a week, I don't think I would fall in love with somebody if I knew I wasn't going to be there very long. And I, um, and I feel like it's like wrong to, to kind of do that. Um, and you know, that's like a kind of, uh, that's like the worst, uh, that's like a, a, that's like a type of like non-consent, right? If you are, if someone thinks, oh, this means forever and you're like, my flight's in two days, you know? So, uh, I like that I makes it even more it. like, you know how you, you want more what you can't have star cross lovers. You know, have you guys watched Money Heist yet? There's like the show on Netflix. No, but I've heard it's great. Yeah. So they, um, you know, the whole season is like in two day, like 48 hours technically, right? Like it's, and there's all these love stories. And I'm like, these people, like you don't, you, that's not how it works. Like, of course, in a season you have to put love stories in. But in if you're pretending that all of this whole season takes place in one or two days, like in these people like are like there's like literally in 48 hours they like get together they have never met they get together they break up they get back together and i'm like what <laughs> this reminds me of this one video it was actually like on the news or something it was so funny this guy he's sitting there with his like uh, white american bride and um she like went to pakistan to like marry him or whatever and uh they're like interviewing her and she's like you know, I'm like so in love and like, she's like really into it. And then all of his friends are in the background and they're like saying it or they're like Punjabi, like, yo, help me find a girl like this. And he, the guy's like slapping them. He's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. They all are in on it. And she's like, so like, even if she doesn't understand the language, she's so oblivious and everybody's joking and making fun of it. Even the news guy, like the journalist, he's like asking her like all these like funny questions. But I was like, no, I felt so bad. But at the same time, it's just like, I, I do God, I know like, better than that. There's a whole show yeah, like I, that. I wonder if it's like when you, um, you know, like attraction includes a lot of different aspects of identity. And so is it okay for part of that to be the visa? You know what I mean? Like it's like, I don't want someone to be, uh, to like that. But then at the same time, you're kind of like, okay, well, I, I mean, even like here, them. like you would want somebody who is going to help provide a good life for you. Like, 
co-produce a good life together. So I, is it wrong to want to have a good life for your future generation? I mean, I'm 100% a gold digger, so I would be, I'm looking for that, <laughs> you know, myself. So The you know, Cougars taught you well. Yeah, but <laughs> I know, I think that it's, um, I know, I've had a lot of, I've enjoyed my time traveling around the world, but I don't think I've, like, uh, uh, all of my, like, significant others, like, all of my long-term relationships have been with, like girls that I knew from uh, usually from like school or that actually yeah, all of them were from school. But besides um, the, besides the girls though, how do you manage your relationships? Um, like with friends you come across and other people um, that you meet around the world, uh, does it ever become like a burden to catch up with them and make sure you don't just like visit them once or, you know, you had their time with them and then like ignore them. That's a lot of yeah, people you have to deal with. No, that is a good, you know, when you become, um, when when you get good at becoming friends with strangers you have a lot of friends and mm. you um or at least a lot of acquaintances and especially when it's like a really intense amount of time so for example those those guys in algeria for a month i was with them 24 7 you know at the time i was like i basically felt like they were like my best friends and i've stayed close with a couple of them i visited them but it's very different than when you're always together um and so uh you know i try and i think what i with, and also having moved around so much as well in my life, you know, what I say is I appreciate the time that I've had with each person, but like, if I'm not talking to somebody right now, it's not because we're mad at each other, it's just because it, so there are those people that have been my friends for years and years and years, and I always will talk to. Um, but then there's also ones where you have a great time and, and that's what it's for, you know, and, and it's not, it's okay. Like you can, um, uh, you don't have to end a friendship in a fight. You can end a, you know, it can fizzle. And sometimes that's sad. Obviously, like I, I talked to a lot of my, like my closest friends for like for decades. And I'm like, I just wish you could all, like, I wish we could all live here. Um, and it's also weird when they don't know one another. You know, like I've always thought of like, if I get married, when I'm like the people I would invite oh, to my snap. wedding, like, it will be like weird. It's like, going to be like the United Nations meeting. <laughs> Even when I, when I finished every country, we had a party in, in the final country in Malta. My parents came, and then I had a American Jewish guy fly in from New York. I had an Italian buddy fly in from from uh, Milan. I had a, a Lebanese friend fly in from. She was in Syria, and then a, um, a Syrian. Or sorry, she was in Saudi Arabia, and then a Syrian friend flying from the UAE. And it was like funny because they were all from. Um, you know, it was like this. Yeah, it was like they had never met each other, but then we all they all did become friends. And that was, that's what was like even more fun seeing my friends become friends with each other. That's awesome. Um, also with that, like when you, we talked about this a little bit before, but when it comes to like vlogging, capturing moments um, and, and not sticking a camera in people's face, but trying to still remember, like build memories along the way. How do you balance like not being rude, but still, uh, I think, you know, Shamir and I, we can speak on this. We, we struggle with that where it's like living in the moment or, you know, making sure that uh, something is captured and created as a content creator? Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm not very good at it. So I'm probably not the best to answer. I think it's about like, I always want to over ask permission. I've traveled with other people who are better at, um, or who are, you know, more uh, uh, like followed and stuff. And they'll sometimes just like do it. And I don't always think that's appropriate um, or like ethical, but it's like a balance of like, you know, doing it, um, and then I think it's about respecting, I think maybe keep the camera on. And if somebody says that they don't like it, turn it off and like, just be okay with that. 
Um, I also, I remember when I was uh, for my, so in 2015, I had been to like 115 countries and I thought I was only going to take six months off. And I decided not to have a phone or a computer um, or any, and I didn't use social media at all. And I just wanted to like chill and kind of like, I had been like, I just wanted to do like learn about me, you know? And, um, and sometimes I would go for a walk with my like nice camera um, to take photos because I feel like I would see it, the world, like I'd be looking for beauty and I'd be looking for stuff. And then I'd be like, I'm going to leave my camera today and just go out and not think about having to like capture. And so I think it's about um, like segmenting the experiences and like differentiating between when you are like capturing stuff versus when you, when you aren't and being okay with that. Um, it's also about like knowing what you want to capture and like what that story could be mine um you know as i said i like it to be and again i'm not great at it and like it's not super popular but i like it to be as if someone was there on the trip with me you know i don't do a lot of interviewing other people you know it's usually like like me talking like and obviously in the last year i haven't been able to, to travel at all but i did a lot of like road trip videos because that's what i like to do in like 2019 uh, i did a lot of like road trips i would just like go rent a car and drive for like 14 hours like around a country um every that's day fun. for a week and uh, so a lot of my videos are like road trip through like Mozambique or like whatever. <laughs> and then I would just be, um, so yeah, I think it's about being respectful and then just like making sure that you are enjoying it, like doing, doing what you want. Well, where do you take all of this knowledge? Do you feel a sense of responsibility to be like, oh, I have this privilege of being to all these places so I can use my, you know, knowledge in this way? Or are you like, you know what, I'm living my life and I'm traveling to all these places trying to experience something and just I'm telling my story along the way. Like, do you ba- I, how do you balance that? Yeah, I really, I think it's such a privilege to have been able to see so much of the world and it would be a disservice to not share it with other people. Um, and I think the best way to share it is like, is just naturally and not try to prescribe the lessons that I'm trying to learn, but just like offer it up. So I do, um, you know, I, that's the reason that I, I, do social media is is more for the, like the like an educational thing and like to like let people know what I've like learned and what I enjoy. Um, but I also have like put it into my professional career, right? Like my favorite country in the world is the UAE, and I spend every day promoting it. And I, um, you know, I um, love economic development, and I work uh, doing you know investments for economic development impact. And so it's um. Like, I think it's, it's about like integrating all of that together. And for example, I, you know, November 17th, 2017 is when I finished every country in the first anniversary and the second anniversary, I did like big videos and I reflected on it. And this year I was just like working really hard. I totally forgot. And like on the 21st or 22nd, I was like, oh shit, like I missed my like anniversary. And that was like, oh, like make, cause when I finished every country, like that same day, my father said, this is going to be in your obituary. You know, like it will, you will forever. And usually what's in your obituary is like your, your professional achievements and your family and stuff. And just to think that I was so young and already had something that would involve define me for the rest of my life. And for a very long time, it was like, I, you know, the amount of time that I said, hi, I'm Sal Lavallo and I've been to every country is a million and a lot of times that I felt like that was the only identity that I like had. And, you know, we, and, 
and humans, we love value in ourselves. Like that's what identity means, right? It's how we value ourselves, how we value others and how we like connect on that value. And so for a long time, I was like, well, the only value I have is I've been to every country. And like people, and I, that's, a, that's not, there's, a, that's not a small thing. <laughs> no, but I mean, it was like, yeah, yeah, you know, people yeah. would, um, I, I used to hate when people would like, I'd go to a party and people would be like, Oh, this is Sal. He's been to every country. And I'd be like, Ooh, that's know, a good and, one. And, they, and, it, and it used to be like the only thing though. And I was like, I'm yeah. also like funny, you know, and they'd be like, no, 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 you're not. <laughs> no, and, um, and they, uh, and now though, like, as I've like advanced more in my career, it's like, it's exciting that people are like, Salvatore, or, you know, Salvatore's head of foreign direct investment at the investment office. And he's also like been to every country, but, and then you realize mm. people are like talking to you about the other thing. And it's like, Oh, like I'm something else. So like now I do a lot of um, events for my work. Like I've, you know, this uh, year, I think I've been on 75 panels and webinars for work. And in the bio that my work sends to them, it says, my professional stuff, it says he's also one of the youngest people who have visited every country. So they say it usually at the beginning of these things. And it's interesting how it's like, because it's the business setting, that's like interesting, but like quickly forgotten because I'm there to talk about money and investing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I kind of like that now I have like a, another identity that adds on to it. I also like, um, talking about like Islam, because to me, that's like the most, that's like, if you, if I had to identify myself, like what I give value to myself, you know, probably the first thing would be like my relationship with, with Allah, right. With the divine. And so sharing that is just as important as like sharing the travel in a way. Um, and also, you know, like my love for Abu Dhabi and my job, like those, these are all things that I, uh, you know, I'd like to share. And so I think it's, uh, but it is a good like line, you know, like when I'll, like mm-hmm. I, I don't mind my friends. It's an like, easy thing to like identify somebody by like, Oh yeah. And, but you're probably like, there's a lot more experiences. Doug no, it's, in that it's than not just like, line it's, in it's not about just being easy. Of course it's a great teaser, right? Like that mm-hmm. saying that line is like, that's all you need. But the way that I think a lot of people would see it is it's the same thing when somebody says like, Oh, Oscar winner, Emmy award winner, you know, whatever, whatever the you're saying that this person has been recognized in this way but what's the uh value and the knowledge that they carry with that and i don't know anybody who has traveled the world you know even even to a few countries but let alone you know every country that doesn't come with a bunch of knowledge and experience and value that could be like you know symbolized in that little teaser and sometimes i think when you repeat things over and over again then you forget um, you know, how great it is, but you know, that that's no short thing at all. And it's, it's incredible to be able to do that. I think what's cool too, is like what I've, the, one of the ways I've thought about is that if you put me in front of like Obama or like his highness, like one of the rulers here, they would have a question for me because I've been to every country and, you know, like, Facts. and that, like, that makes it, it's like, has given me some confidence as well to be like, I can, well, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, like I can go anywhere and like have value to other people because i've done this thing that less you know that but at a younger age than anybody else maybe yeah. and that you know at uh you know that very few people have done and that's um exciting and then to combine it with the other things like i and i and i think i hope that for everybody like i get off a little bit every time in those webinars when they read my bio because i'm like you did good you know yeah and i think everybody sure. else should like if you're not 
if your own biography doesn't get you off a little bit, then you're doing it wrong. You know, like you should be doing what excites you. And so you should like it. But I remember also once I, I used to hate when people would be like, what do you do? You know? And I'd be like, cause what they're trying to say is how do you make money? Like, how should I value you? How should I connect with you? And so I used to, I love dancing. And I used to say when I was a consultant, I'd be like, oh, I dance. And I was on a plane once uh, flying from the States to Abu Dhabi. And uh, there's like this old woman sitting next to me and she was like, what do you do? And I was like, I dance. And then we started talking about dancing and we had like this great conversation. Mm. Then we started talking about other stuff, whatever. And then I was like, oh, I have to go to Saudi Arabia uh, next week for work. And she's like, they even like dance there? And I was like, oh, like I'm like my job is like I'm a consultant. She's like, you said you dance. I'm like, I do. Like, (laughs) I didn't lie. (laughs) You know, like you didn't say where do you work, but it's like when you, um, uh, you know, you're trying to find connection with people, but you're also trying to like give value to them. And I think it's like, I like messing with that kind of stuff and being like, okay, like, uh, I am like, you know, more than, or like, and when you think about it, when we ask these types of questions, we'll always be like, where are you from? And like, we're trying to like connect and, um, and, uh, you know, it's like the same when like a kid is born, we're like, is it a boy or a girl? It's like, why does that matter so much? You know, like it's a newborn, you know, but it's like, that's a very gender is so important to us. So like, we will like talk about it instantly. I do remember once I was in a taxi or no, I was, I was in a, um, I was, uh, at the, uh, what's it called at the security desk of a office building in New York. And I, they, I had to give my passport, uh, for the security. And the guy's like, wow, like you've been to every, you've been to so many countries. Um, I wonder if you've been to mine. And I said, yes. And he goes, I didn't tell you which one it was. <laughs> and I was like, but I, I've been to it. Like I, I was like, a bit, whatever it is, I've been there. And then he was like, what? And I was like, it's this whole thing. Like I've been there. And he was like, and like, and I love doing it in taxis. I'll be, you know. Well, what was um, it? Was he from Somalia, India or Pakistan? He's from Dominican Republic. But but then in taxis, I always say it like, they'll be like, um, I'll be like, where are you from? And sometimes they'll be like, West Africa. And I'm like, but like, where? And then they'll be like, you don't want Sierra Leone. I'm like, oh, I love Freetown. And they'll be like, what? (laughs) That's a a automatic, like, you have a password to so many different Mm -hmm. things. That's how I was like, I was... Uh, talking about it, this uh, with a friend, but like culture and language um, is essentially a password, you know, being able to meet somebody where, you know, like, it's funny uh, to think about, but sometimes like our parents, when they go into like a Dunkin Donuts or something, and uh, they recognize, you know, like, we'll say like, which is like our people, um, then it's a little bit easier to uh, let them know what you want, especially for people that, you know, don't speak as well, like English or something like that. Yeah. And it's, it's a comfortable place. So when, so when you tell somebody that like, Oh, I've been to Sierra Leone and I love this, there's like this weight that's probably lifted off them and, and that you get to actually connect on something deeper because they feel that maybe you understand something about them that not the everyday person, you know, has insight into. And I feel like that I've learned when traveling, like what are some of the ways to like instantly connect to people, you know, like, and it's either about the place or like religion or like, I, and I think I'm a really, one of the skills that I've gained from traveling all around is, is that ability to become friends with people really fast. And it's by being like, oh, like, how do we, and like, I did it to all of you guys, right? I asked specifically where you were each from. And when you said Lahore, I'm like, oh, I used to live there. And then Niati said Hyderabad. And I was like, oh, I went there. You know, like, that's what I was doing, right? was like, 
giving connection and like not on purpose like it's not like i'm like but i that's just like naturally what i do is i'm like oh like where are you from and then i like connect with you and then we're on that like equal playing field and like there you know what's like i i always joke that whenever i like am you know like uh traveling and like there's like a guy i'll always be like oh like you know uh, ronaldo's way better than messi and like everywhere in the world that's like <laughs> a conversation you can have you know and there might be like nothing else and then you can talk about girls you know and like and uh and also about like making your dad proud like these are things that like no matter where you are like you can connect right and like like, finding the values of different sort of cultures in that way yeah and like knowing what you can and can't say to like different people and what they will like think is you know and so then you ask like um and it's about like being respectful and you know like it's um but it's the way that you become like you turn a stranger into a friend is by realizing that you're 90% the same and that the 90% that's the same is amazing. But the, the 10% different, that's, what's really exciting, but you have to connect in order to find that difference, you know? And so finding those ways to connect really unlocks this like amazing world of then you can say like, all right, like explain this to me and you're, you know, it, but if you start with the difference, people are going to be like, you know, but if you start with the similarities, then it's easier to segue into, oh, can you, and if you do it in a, like a curious, uh, like open way, like non-judgmental, you're going to learn a lot. And, and kind of on the flip side of this, I've gotten accused by some of my like more, um, you know, like militant friends or like my like militant liberal friends of like going too far along in conversations with, um, like people who have like extreme beliefs in different ways. And I, there's probably like very, um, you know, Islamophobic and homophobic and racist people who think I agree with them because I'll always like, if someone says to me, like, I hate Muslims, I'll, I'll probably be like, Oh, like why? You know? Yeah, and they'll be like, sure. Oh, because of this and this, I'm like, that makes sense. Like what, you know? And then like, I won't be like, Oh no. Cause if you start fighting, you're not going to learn why they actually like their thought process. Mm-hmm. And so I've had like, crazy conversations with people about like scary stuff um you know like in, for, like a, a horrible example i was in like not useful saying the country but i was somewhere and i was like on a like a bicycle that had a back like a thing on the back and um the guy was like uh he said so i was like oh do you have a wife or something and uh basically he started telling me how his wife was 12 years old and instead of being like you know like inside i was like that sort but i wanted to be like you know is that like well you know are you you know like you can learn about that in like interesting ways and is that the norm like what's the situation yeah like oh like yeah is that normal like you know do you know did does she live with you or she still with her family like you know like what become and you can you understand it in a totally new way and then what you also realize is that people aren't monsters normally right like it usually comes from something else or is like culturally normal or whatever. Um, and, you know, uh, we talked at the beginning, like one of our amazing uh, leaders of our time, Hillary Clinton once said, you know, it's not cultural, it's criminal. She was talking about like women's rights and people were saying, uh, you know, it's um, like, it's our culture that we like treat women this way. And she said, it, culture is not an excuse to commit crime, you know? And I think that's, uh, like really important is when you can say like, no, that that's not okay. That's not a, like to say, Oh, we've done this for a thousand years. That's, that's not okay. And when you realize like we have in our minds, this idea that you have to 
like respect culture, which is great most of the time, but a lot of culture isn't great. You know, like a lot of stuff in every country in the world is not great, you know, and it's, um, and I feel like that's one of the, like that I would tell like a younger version of me is like in everything in life, the same with art. Like the, when I love art and whenever I was able to say that I didn't like pieces in a museum, like I used to think that just cause it was in a museum, I had to think it was great. And then when I realized that I could be like, I actually don't like that piece that like blew my world view, like a thousand times bigger. And so when you're able to, um, do that in a way that's like still respectful and like learn about culture and learn about things that you don't like, um, but not hate, you know, hate because of it, then you end up like learning way more than you ever thought you could. And so I've had these like crazy conversations. I like, I was somewhere else and they were telling me about like, um, uh, this guy, he wanted me to meet his like daughter, his baby daughter. He just had a daughter. And he said, uh, we were, we had this great like couple hours hanging out with the baby and the mom and whatever. And we were walking away and he said, yeah, we haven't decided if I'm going to circumcise her or not. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, you know, and so I had learned a lot about this in my identity classes, right. And like in school and, uh, and so, but the, all the arguments that you would think, you know, would work, um, you know, about like, you know, like pain and women's rights and all this stuff, like didn't really matter. Like the, the two things that, um, like, uh, that like kind of like got him thinking was, uh, I said, what do you want her to be when you, she grows up? And he's like, uh, the president maybe, you know, like that, you know, he was like, we were in like a poor slum and like a really poor country. And he's like, but maybe she can be the president. It's like, okay, then you need to treat her like the president now. Like, and would you, do you think that's something you would do? Like, you know, do you think it's like, and then he was like, oh, that's, and then I also was comparing it to like, um, to, to like male circumcision. And I was like, you know, uh, the, the foreskin is, you know, really like, it's not entirely like necessary, but what you're trying to, you know, um, what you're trying to do to her is equivalent to like cutting off your entire genitalia. And then I was like, would you do that to your son? And he's like, no, I'm like, well, then you need to, if you want her to be the president, you have to start treating them, you know? And like, those seem like dumb arguments. Like if you in school, well, I mean, I don't know exactly right what happened. Well, I'd save you. <laughs> See, guys, it works. <laughs> no, but really, I'm like, sorry. I totally you know like. I totally take your whole point away every time I make one of these jokes. I apologize. No, but it's like the white savior would go in and be like, "This is like disrespectful. You're backward, yeah, right?" Yeah, yeah. And be like, "Oh, we changed them by like giving them a pamphlet or something, or like steal, like kidnapping the daughter from the, the parents." Yeah. It's like. And I ended up like making like basically like a dick size joke to the guy. And that's what he was like, Oh yeah. Like that would be weird <laughs> to do to like, you know, like, and that's the argument. Like that's not what they teach you, but like you, it's because we had spent all this time together. We had become like friends. And then I was able to be like, Oh, but you know, like, and push their thinking like in no, a new way. Essentially what you're, what you're saying is like, even with the art sort of uh, analogy that you made, uh, you are, allowed i'll use that word to not like a piece when you have context of all the pieces or or at least uh, many of the pieces if you go in thinking um it's your first time in a museum and you look at one piece then it's kind of unfair for you to make that judgment whereas you know what you're saying is basically what you do is listen and you listen from people who you might not agree with or that have opposing views uh, because you know of other people's views and you're aware that, you know, different cultures work in different ways. I remember I told this uh, story on the podcast, but I spoke to a white nationalist over one of these like chat roulette things for about three hours. 
And he, he only got to last a second with everyone else because he was basically trolling. He had a MAGA hat on and he was doing the, you know, the Nazi salute. And uh, I just asked him how his day was. And we ended up speaking for so long because he didn't want me to leave. And I just listened to him. And that was the only difference. I didn't do anything special. But it was that he finally got to get some things off his chest. I didn't judge him. You know, I, I questioned his thinking, right? I, I proposed ideas. But, uh, you know, what you're explaining is just basically like when you listen to people, you're, they're, they're given that respect. And for that dad, it sounds like he, you know, heard you out because you, you listened to him and you gave him respect and attention rather than, you know, coming for his neck and saying that he's backwards, like the typical sort of white savior, I guess, would. But, and it's also not like altruistic, right? Like I learned a lot sure. more about female genital mutilation from that conversation than I did from an entire semester course on it, right? Mm -hmm. And you probably learn more about white nationalism by listening to this guy than you would from, you know, any like, like, a, you know, me news thing about it. Yeah, I got uh, invited to his forum. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, and like your wedding is in two months, you know, like with the hazmat suits or something. But like, <laughs> I, I think that it's like they, um, yeah, and it's exciting. Always, like I always, people will tell me a lot. They'll be like, "Why did I tell you that?" Like the, like I'm the kind of person because I'm so open, and I really like don't tend to judge. That people will tell me like intense secrets and all, and it's because I'll tell them the same thing, and. Um, and that's like a really nice like gift, I think, to have like, thanks be to God, like that, uh, you know, like, I don't know why, but it's um, people really feel free when they can say that to you. And I think when you're able to say like your sins to your friends too, or like, you know, like when you're able to be open, it's um, like it builds friendship much quicker. And it's also fascinating that there's also a lot of things that like we are told like not to talk about that when we do it's just like this amazing, uh, like thing, you know, like, and, um, like, well, you know, one of the examples, like, and like, not to be crude, I've talked to a lot of people around the world about like sex and it's a, such a personal thing that we all do. And we it's all very taboo in, in many countries and yeah. And they never have talked about it before. And, but we all like, and then you realize that you can connect it because it's like, we, you know, like we, connect. it's, um, yeah, it's I'm like, sorry, it's I'm, like done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like a fascinating thing, right? Like I think it's such an important part of identity that it's like if you want to, um, uh, like really get to know somebody, and so it's weird that we don't like traditionally, um, like do that. Like with your, like if you think about like your best buddy, like do you like, um, especially guys, you know, like, like to be like masculine, you wouldn't say like if you had like an issue, right? you're going to call your buddy and be like, Oh, like I smashed. You're not going to call him and be like, I couldn't get it up. Right. But you, we should be able to like share both of those or like any of these things. And I think that that's like, um, when you are open and you're are like, okay, to have like these, these conversations, you end up being like, Oh, like this is actually uh, nice. And when like doing that around the world, I think has been great. And also realizing I, I had this like really important experience where I decided for, uh, like I was like 27, I like wanted to dye the top of my hair is like silver, like gray or something. And um, like, and I kept the sides normal, but just like the top. And I was like, Oh, it's really cool. And it looked really cool. And I went to France and everybody, and I was super fit at the time. Cause I like had been sponsored by six gyms and working out like 
20 hours Six a day. Six gyms, jeez. Like yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it was like one, like a, a cycling gym, a hit training place, a, you know, a um, rowing gym, like different types of gyms. But Amber's like, heart uh, is pumping right now. <laughs> and they, and I uh, went to France and everybody was like, are you a footballer? Cause like I was super fit with like, you know, a cool Oh, they always have the, they always have yeah. the hair, the, yeah. mo- the football. And, uh, and they were, and I was like, no, you know, like I wish. And then I went to Algeria, which is just across the water. Right. And they were like, it's kind of weird. They're like, are you gay? Like, that's fine. But like, yeah. I, we just assume that like you would only do that if you were gay. And I was like, in France, everyone thought it was so cool. And then I was about to go to Libya and my host there was like, you have to, like, he knew that I had that. And he's like, you have to shave your, like, it would be dangerous here. And those are all bordering countries, right? Mm. So to go, and and I realized like everything you do, someone's going to think it's cool and someone's going to think it's not cool. So just do what you like want. And that was like such an important lesson where it was like, you know, people will be like, oh, like that's weird. But it's like, no, it's weird to you. You know, like it's, there's somewhere else where it's like acceptable. and and that also like builds a lot of confidence when you're just like, and then you can like do your own thing. And what's sad is a lot of people in like being themselves, they end up just like being like other people who are, or who are not like normal, you know, rather than like being what they actually want to be. Like you can be the most straight edge person and be living like your true self. Like to be uh, you doesn't mean like you have to have like, you know, tattoos and tons of or like whatever like the alternative is right like to be conservative you don't have to wear a maga hat but people like to uh, you know like have something that shows it and so i think it's like you can learn to express yourself in the ways you want to and just like feel like you're cool to yourself you don't have to worry about what others think yeah that's dope i do want to wrap this up but i have like some uh last like rapid fire questions amber and Shami, feel free to throw any um before we go what's the best food that you've had uh probably a t- like italian like no food. no <laughs> the best out of everything dish, I, every I mean, place no, no offense no offense i've, I've been very critical of italian but um but i'm telling the the best dish um i do have a youtube video which is like my eight best meals i'm trying to remember what i said at the end i um uh like, I what's everywhere in the world and like italian yeah like pasta <laughs> my like grandma's pasta sauce <laughs> All right. So well, that's kind of cute, right? It is. It is. Got an yeah. amber on my side. We're being we're being extremely rude too. <laughs> okay, okay. So, and what's the not worst? Right, what's the, the strangest? What's the strangest? I've food? eaten a, a bat and a rat. Oh, oh Frost no. loves rats. <laughs> that's Frost's favorite animal. What was tastier? Uh, the the rat. The rat was really really. Ew. Good. It was good. Oh, <laughs> Frost, we got to try it now. Where, where'd you go to have this rat? Yeah. In, in Equatorial Guinea. And everybody, I had seen it for sale. And then I asked people, what's the best food? And everybody was like, rat is honestly amazing. I was like, you're <laughs> messing with me. And then I had it. I was like, this is phenomenal. Really? <laughs> what did it taste like? Like rabbit in a way, kind of, but like really tender. Okay. Don't say, mm, you, you have a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> in Peru, uh, they eat guinea pigs, apparently. I've had fried guinea pig in oh, Peru. Is it good? Oh, my God. Fine. Why are we oh, eating yeah. rodents? Because um, I have a lot of Peruvian friends, and I'll, like, make jokes, like, yo, did you have guinea pig today? And they'll be like, nah, man. But, like, we all, I always make fun of them for eating that. I, th- I mean, th- what's funny that I've always found, like, the same with the bat and also with the rat is, like, they would only, like, the, the I had the bat in Palau, and they would only have bat, they would only eat, 
bad if they like couldn't catch any fish that day. You know what I mean? And so, but people will be like, oh, it's like a, this thing, like a cultural thing that they do. It's like, not really. You yeah. know, like it, like it's, you I've know, so what like you in some of those of countries. Bat? Like a bat has it, no meat. Even the wing. The, the, and like but the the waitress had to cut it for me because i didn't know how to do it and then uh i was like do you eat the wing and she was like only the japanese men do and i was like are you daring me and then i was like give me, give me like y'all give me the wing so then i like <laughs> oh god okay have i don't want to go snake? any further on this Sorry. one stop it stop that i think we've heard snake? enough he I went from snake. italian to bats and rats <laughs> so after eating bats and rats you really chose italian okay but you guys balance. are really bad at rapid fire questions so sorry. i know so i know what well, you just threw, okay. you have interesting answers yeah so. i know <laughs> right, okay ahead. most expensive place you've been uh maybe maybe like the maldives or like the, like the most money i've spent in a place probably yeah or like i did a really expensive trip once to moscow like i just decided to go all out um, like, is it expensive there, or you spent a lot of money there? I spent a lot there. Yeah, but I think like the Maldives, some in some African countries, it's very difficult. Like uh, Angola, for like, has very expensive hotels and very expensive transportation and stuff. Yeah, cheapest. Yeah, cheapest. Maybe like Bangladesh. Oh, mm-hmm. favorite favorite architecture. Uh, probably. Abu Dhabi. I mean, I love like like we have the world's most leaning building. I think the Sheikh Zayed Mosque is the most beautiful um, building outside of like Mecca. I think that uh, we have like the circular building. We have uh, the world's tallest building in Dubai. Like, so I, I like the like new stuff here. How about least favorite architecture? Mm, I guess like the like the Horn of Africa is has like you know not great uh, kind of just like low lying, no colors, no nothing. Prettiest people. Um, I think it's. I really. Um, that, it's to, a to, your, to your to your preference, it's not like it's not like anything else. And I won't yeah, ask no. the opposing side. What's the opposing side mean? What would what would be oh, the, the ugliest? <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to. Hey, I don't. No, I think. Um, God, that's hard. I don't know. Like, uh, like I, I like brunettes. Like, I like like racially ambiguous. Like, I love anybody like mixed. Like, where I'm like, where are you from? Like, you it's know, like, like uh, Latinos. Like, uh, they're like the most ambiguous. Yeah, I feel like, like like Adriana Lima. Like, you know, Nicole mm-hmm. Scherzinger, the lead singer of this cat doll. Like that look. It, to me, I'm just like, well, like what are you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if they had like Faraz's hair, but like a better body. <laughs> better like, body. Whoa. <laughs> He's a guy. I don't. Damn, I mean, bro. I What's wrong with my body? Just because I don't have a football or body like you. Just because I'm not signed to six gyms. Okay, we're not all. <laughs> he doesn't want I meant that for though. A, fe- a female body shape. Like, I was trying to compliment your hair is very, you know. Listen, cool. listen. I'm a, I'm a baddie. Okay. Oh my god. You know, he's, he's thick, had, actually. That's what he's, he's trying thick. to say. That's what he's trying to tell you is that he thinks you're a baddie. For us, is thick. <laughs> all right that's enough guys that's enough amber did you have any ones no i'm good okay you guys I are think... horrible this was supposed to be like <laughs> i know i know that's why we have a whole you podcast me, you didn't even give me any i like was thinking like like these i'm doing a podcast with these like young kids they're gonna ask me some like you know like risky questions it's been like the easiest uh, okay like, hold on hold on <laughs> risky questions oh god amber's amber's thinking now she's like she's Ruh-roh. thinking of uh <laughs> 
savageness. No, we just, we, lo- we love the deeper love. conversations. You gave us so much good stuff. And yeah. those, those could have been rapid. <laughs> but also, also, our podcast never goes this long, but you were so interesting. Yeah. Like, you have to keep going. Yeah. Neonti's the sitting there being like, how am I going to edit this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't edit it. It's okay. Um, okay. Uh, so where can people find you? Um, and, and what's something that e- either you're, whether you're working on something or something you're looking forward to that, um, you know, they can, they can also keep up with. I do really like this like new TikTok thing that I've been doing the last month. Um, I think it's like fun and I'm going to continue doing it. And I like the way that it engages. Um, I do a lot less lately on Instagram and, and YouTube, but I have a lot of content on both of those, um, especially YouTube. So um, you know, really anywhere. I do respond to every message um, on Instagram. So always happy to, uh, um, you know, answer any questions. And, I know, uh, I was so happy because of that. He's, <laughs> he's verified, but he, he was like, yo, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I mean, <laughs> I was like, I think it's like, I just remember like ask, like sending messages and not getting responses. And so I think it's, um, uh, and usually it might just be an emoji, but like I, I see it. And if I see it, I acknowledge I've seen it. I usually don't ask questions back. Like I don't have a hundred conversations a day, but yeah. I will res- like all be like, and if, you know, I think that's it's really nice. nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so, okay, we'll link your TikTok below Instagram, YouTube, everything like that. Um, so this is strange flavors. Uh, we ask our guests a very important question at the end of every podcast. And I'm curious to see what you'll say, but Amber, if you want to take that away. Okay. If you could describe yourself as any flavor, what would it be and why? Um, if this man says marinara or something, <laughs> I want to be like the, like, you know, these like white Pringle cans they're doing where it's like, you got to guess the flavor. Oh, they like, have that. I never knew. Yeah. That. And like saying they have like the, the white uh, starburst, you know, like yeah, the, the mystery flavor. I feel like, cause it's like, I can be anything like call me tomorrow and I'll be like, you know, super halal. Like call me another day and I'll be like, <laughs> you know horrible like send your mom on a trip with me and you'll never oh no (laughs) oh my god i think that's that's what i would say is i'm like you know i can uh yeah i what's the flavor is the mystery what pringles can (laughs) (laughs) that's what i heard i've also been described like or compared to pringles cans in other ways so that also makes sense (laughs) (laughs) oh my god wait (laughs) <laughs> and no one's gonna make it to this. There'll be like five people. So oh, hold on. wow! It took me a second. Just, you have, no, um, yeah, I no, just like mystery flavor. Like you okay. never know what you're gonna get. Fair. Fair. He's awesome. got the he's got the mystery shirt on too. Just basic yeah. white. <laughs> not so not does, going to. So does Shami. Shami. Yeah. yeah, but I know Shami. Shami's very uh, vocal blue, about his. But his flavors and his and his being but what flavor hey. are each of you do you know oh, man the guests always ask yeah. this and we have to do this in super quick okay <laughs> we could do we could do it after the podcast we'll do it after yeah. the podcast because they've heard it enough times we'll tell you yeah. of course <laughs> hey uh salvatore lavallo did i say that right salvatore salvatore lavallo thank Sal- you no, so much salvatore what? salvatore salvatore oh okay salvatore lavallo hey Thank you so much for being here. Like, honestly, <laughs> this was a lot of fun. I can't believe it went this long, but like, we really appreciate you taking the time out and yep. sharing all your experiences. And I know that like all of our um, audience will really appreciate and love this as well. So 
Um, hopefully you have uh, three or five more uh, members to add to your UN collection of friends and uh, we stay in touch. Inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> you have a perfect halal haram ratio, I think. Yeah. So it's great. It's great. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strange Flavors. It's been another week. Another flavor. A little less stranger. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.